Well, greetings and salutations, everybody. Welcome to the best damn movie-related show on the planet Earth, the John Campion Show, coming from right here on my YouTube channel. I am, of course, your host, John Campia, and it is an awesome honor and privilege, as it is every day, to have you, our international friends, gather around as we talk about our favorite things in the world, movies, movie news, TV, and streaming. And guys, it's Friday. It is Friday, right? Yeah. It's Friday. Congratulations on making it through to the end of another week. Rob's coming down with Almost. the plague, apparently. <laughs> he's Almost. allergic to something in the room. His allergy is pollen. I don't know. He's, maybe he's allergic to Moon Knight because it's getting closer and he keeps sneezing <laughs> oh. more. Anyway, guys, joining us is the sneezing one, Mr. Robert Meyer Burnett. Robert, how you doing? I guess I'm one of the seven dwarves today. Sneezy. Somebody who gets not enough love. But it's great to be here. Good to have you here. Also over here, Chris Carr is joining us today. Chris, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so happy I made it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a big accident on the highway. There was a big accident. And this is a full week. I didn't have to not like show up because of my car. Woo! That's what I was about to say. But other cars were Cancel. thwarting you. Yeah. Cancel the other car. Just going to stay with the Sonata. Don't need it no. at all. And also joining us, and you'll be joining you guys in the live chat, of course, today. Ray Oris here. Ray, how you doing? I am the eighth dwarf. Edie. Edie? Edie. Edie the Snacky. Edie dwarf. Snacky. There you go. Snacky is better. Snacky the dwarf. Snacky the dwarf. And guys, it is great to have you here. Thanks a lot for joining us. Here's how today's show is going to go. We're going to break the show down into two parts. In the first half of the show, we're going to take some predetermined topics. And then in the second half of the show, we're going to take your live comments and questions. Now, if you're watching live, and only if you're watching live, and you'd like to get a live comment or question in on the show, simply use the Super Chat feature in the YouTube chat there. I did just turn it on now, so it's open and available. And then we will read those comments and questions you guys send in once we get to the end of the main topics. Also, guys, want to remind you, this isn't just a video show. We also have audio versions of the show, simply called the John Campus Show Podcast. Go on your favorite podcasting app of choice, search for the John Campus Show, and subscribe to it. But we also have podcast feeds for our show, Movie Club. So go and make sure you subscribe to Movie Club. And we also have a separate podcast feed now for Mailbag. And we've got another episode of Mailbag coming up later tonight, so keep your guys' eyes open for that. Okay, guys. Big show today, so let's get into it here, shall we? And we're going to start things off here by getting right into the main topics. Now, how do we select our main topics here on the show? Well, it's really rather simple. You see, you guys come up with them. Whenever you come across a big topic issue or story that you guys feel we need to cover as a main topic on the show, just go anytime, 24-7, over to www.thejohncampiashow.com slash contact. Once you guys get there, you're going to see a form. Fill it out with your topic or question. It's absolutely free. Hit submit, and then maybe, just maybe, you might see your submission featured as a main topic here on the John Campia Show. With that down, Chris, what is our first main topic today? Our first topic is coming from Mahir Rahman. So, John, saw the news that David, I'm always butcher his name, help me out, John. I, I can't tell you. No. Nope. <laughs> Desmalchian? Polka Dot Man. Polka yeah, Dot Man. Yeah. I got it right. Yes. Won't be reprising his role in Ant Man and Wasp Quantumania. I already feel that uh, Michael Pena won't be back to reprise his role. So do you think if he's not in the movie, it'll be a good thing or bad? All right. Thanks a lot for sending that in. And yeah, look, of course, David just kind of captured the world's imagination by playing Polka Dot Man. So good. Maybe the most ridiculous name of any character in a comic book movie, granted. <laughs> but man, he was so good in that. I loved him in that. I was so sad to see how that movie ended for him. But he has also been, damn, watch keeps thinking I'm talking to it. Uh, but it has also been neat watching him 
getting bigger and bigger and bigger roles and more predominant he was just in dune as he was, well. he was peter devries that's dune. right in dune so we'll see if he comes back for the second one as well but of course he was in ant-man one and two as a part of luis's crew you had ti luis michael pena and you had david well something that's been kind of flying under my radar is the fact that because i love the ant-man movies i liked one more than two i still like two quite a bit though but What's flown under my radar was that David and T.I. were never on the cast list. But that made me look and go realize Michael Pena's not on the cast list either. And it's not like this This film's done shooting. They finished finish shooting Ant-Man and the Wasp back in November. Anyway, this comes to us from the folks over at CBR who write the following. While speaking at the red carpet premiere for Marvel Studios' Disney Plus original series, Moon Knight, uh, here we go, uh, Dachshian Dachshian. revealed that he is not currently involved in the studio's next Ant-Man film. It doesn't look like it, but that's okay, he said. I know they're making something incredible. I can't wait to see what Peyton Reed does next. He is one of my favorite directors. He's been so busy. I have tried to stay in touch, but he's making an incredible film right now. Notably, it's also currently unclear whether or not Pena will be reprising his fan-favorite role as Luis in Quantumania. The actor is yet to formally announce for the film, meaning there's a possibility that Scott's running buddies uh, may have been written out entirely. Okay. Now, the main headline here is about David's character. I believe the character's name is Kurt, I think. And that would be a bit of a loss. T.I.'s character not being there, that's a bit of a loss. I cannot believe, as an Ant-Man fan, as somebody who has really enjoyed these movies, that I have not noticed the fact that there's been no mention of Michael Pena's Luis. Because I have believed on this show, if you will allow me a moment to climb into the pulpit and preach the good word, that I have spoken unto the people (laughs) for years that Marvel is missing an opportunity to lean more heavily into Michael Pena and his character, Luis, one of the sheer most entertaining characters in the MCU. And I don't say that lightly, but Luis is one of the most entertaining, fun, hilarious, charming, delightful, you can't help but love this guy characters in all of the MCU. They should have been having Luis open every MCU movie. Now, in case you haven't been keeping up with what's been going on with the Avengers, here's what's been going on. And then have, I mean, I can't do it like Michael Pena does, but they have been missing out on that. They should have been putting out on Disney Plus a 15-minute special of Luis, you know, gets you up to speed on the MCU. Here's everything that's happened in the MCU up until now. A 15-minute special. That would break Disney Plus viewing records. Mm-hmm. But I have taken for granted that he would just be there in Ant-Man 3. Now, look. I have said all the time, and I will say it again. Movie comes first, not the actors. And if the movie they have, the, the way that came up with the story was the story is just best served if there's not a Luis in the story, then that's what they should do. I, that is the, the, the common sense head part of me, okay, that I acknowledge. You got to go with the story first, and if the story is made leaner, quicker, better, without the Luis character being there, then yes, I acknowledge that that is what you should do. From an intellectual point of view, that's what you should do. They should write him out. But my heart, 
My heart weeps, everybody. My heart, I cannot picture or imagine an Ant-Man movie without Luis being in there. They need to be leaning more into Michael Pena, not leaning away. And at this point, guys, with the fact that this movie is shot, it's done. Yeah. And we have heard no word of him at all being in it. I think we have to face the very grim reality <laughs> that Luis is not in the MCU anymore, or at least not going to be in Ant-Man 3. And I am really bummed out about that. Now, yes, David, T.I., yes. And, and they were fine supporting characters, absolutely. But there are many movies with many fine supporting characters that my, my heart won't break if they're not there for the next one. But not Michael Pena. Not Michael Pena. I guess I, I feel like, oh, they're not going to give us Luis except in Ant-Man movies. And now they're not even giving us that. Rob, I'm outraged. I mean, I may have wanted Bob Chapek out before, but no, I really want him out. And this has nothing to do with Bob Chapek, by the way. Anyway, Rob, uh, you're seeing this. What do you think about it? John, like you, I appreciate a great story. And uh, for me, the oral tradition of, of human beings being able to tell a story is an art form that can always be perfected. And there's not, I don't think there's another, there's not another great storyteller in modern motion picture history than that character, than Luis. <laughs> Nobody can, you know what, if, if, if somebody were to ever narrate the story of my life, I would, I would have the screenwriter write that story. I would hire our favorite actor, Michael Pena, and I would have him deliver that story at my, instead of in, in lieu of a eulogy. Michael Pena <laughs> would tell the story of my life to people at my funeral. It'd be worth doing. It'd be expensive. <laughs> I'd have to pay him Very probably. You'd be dead. You wouldn't uh, care. Uh, yeah, but I'd have to, somebody would have to pay him like three times scale. It'd be tough. But no, he's he's great. I I I. You know, it's funny that to me is a staple of these movies, the 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 Ant Man movies. Yeah, these these three characters, not just Luis, but these right, right, three the three. Characters. I mean, yeah. they're they're part of to me the supporting cast. I mean, they're the Mission Impossible team that the Ant Man and the Wasp need to. Su support yeah. whatever mm -hmm. shenanigans they get up to, John. Chris, uh, you're you're hearing this. Da I mean, David, we didn't know. I mean, Ti, we've known for a while, wasn't going to be in it. Yeah, finding out about David is unfortunate, but it also shines a light on the fact that oh yeah, look at that, Michael Pena's not there either. I don't know. To me, that's just a part of the the makeup of what these eight man movies are. Again, they can move on from it, and I'm sure Peyton Reed is going to make something awesome, and I cannot wait. But I'm real sad about this. I don't know. What do you make of this? I'm real bummed out. I always love his recaps. I love those moments so much. They're so fun. And I want to know what happened to the crew during the blip. Were they blipped? What happened to them? Huh. I need to know more. I need to know what happened to them because I want Luis to recap that. Oh, Scotty, let me get you brought up on the last five years. Okay, let's go. <laughs> It'd be incredible. It'd be so good. But... But alas, maybe maybe they're just keeping things really, really under wraps with Michael. Maybe there's something real exciting with Luis happening. Doubtful. I wish I wish we, he would be back in this. My heart's gonna break a little bit when I don't see him in this movie. Ray, let me go over to you on this. Like, what do you what do you think about the? Apparently, I mean, look, there's been no official word that says Michael Pena's not in it, but there's been no sightings of him. He's not listed on anything. The movie's already done shooting, so let's assume for a second that he's not gonna be there. I hope we're wrong. But Ray, I don't know. What, what do you what do you think about so this? So John, there's this there's this uh, purple guy. He looks like a nutsack. <laughs> That's, I don't know. I I have no Louis. For, uh... I have no I have no fast talking. I like Rob said. It's like no uh, blue or yellow line to Voltron. It's like not having them in the Ant Man thing would be weird. Like I I'm so used to 
them being a part of whatever Scott's trying trying to do, whatever scheme, whatever he's trying to scheme up. Um, I I think I think they'll still be in it. I think at least Michael Pena will. You be think in he'll it. still be there? Yeah, I I, I mean, right. how, how long is it until it comes out? Like. It's in 2023. I can't remember. Yeah, when. they have plenty of time. I think. But the movie's done shooting. They're not shooting. Oh, okay. Yeah, they wrapped shooting in November. That's that's totally weird. Then I I, I... reshoots. That's okay. Yeah. They, could, they, had to, they had to wait to find out what the story. They wanted his dialogue to be so perfect that they've added an extra year of, of writing. Go. So you reshoot the entire movie just to put just in the character that wasn't there. No, no, no. He just has to tell a story at some point in the movie. I he mean, shows that's up. all you gotta do. Yeah. I mean, it's not as big, but are they doing the? Andrew Garfield thing right now, saying they're not in it. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I don't know. What is possible here? How would we feel as fans of this character if they literally opened this movie the way I've I believe they should have opened all movies? If it's Luis giving a full recap of everything in the MCU and then also kind of highlighting what happened in the Loki series, because of course Kang is going to be the main antagonist of this Dude, movie. That would be dope. Okay, so that. what if they did that and that's all he's in the movie? Are we are we okay with that? Yes. I would accept you know that. What? I, think I, that'd be I, great. I think I would accept it too. But the nice. other but T I and, and uh Mr. Jismalchin have to be at the table. He's gotta be it's gotta be like the reservoir dogs. The beginning of reservoir dogs. Oh, talking about yeah. tipping and the camel yeah, yeah. The, and <laughs> let me but, tell you what Like a Virgin's about, the beginning of reservoir dogs. <laughs> let, let's say if the quote is is right that they do write them off or they're written off they just died somewhere or or, or they're, off, the, on the vac- the they're off on vacation somewhere or they've got their own private security firm they're doing and they moved it to buffalo i don't know they've or, gone to asgard to, yeah, to well, yeah, home security are, in norway the reality is there's a million things you can do to say why they're not there but I mean, but we would be okay if they even just opened the movie with him. I think that'd be fine. That would be hilarious. I would like that a lot. That would be hilarious. I, I still would good. like him in the whole movie, I'd like but him I agree. Movie. I, I like would that, that Ray brought up Voltron today, though, kind of referencing this. He's had Voltron Pey- on the brain. Peyton Reed would have been a great pick for the director for the Voltron. Oh, my movie. God, he would be. <laughs> Peyton Reed would be an incredible choice to direct, uh, to direct Voltron. Oh. <gasps> Now I'm going to be thinking about that all day. All right, like it's like like it's going to happen. Come on. Well, hey, come on, people. I, everyone watches this show. We make I, you make stuff happen, right? Yeah, you talk about Nova one day. The next day they announced yeah. Nova. Don't underestimate the power of this show, Ray. We need a Thundercats movie. They've been working on it. <laughs> They've been working on it for years. They've announced it a few times. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about this? It looks like that trio of Scott's friends are. It looks like they're not going to be in the movie at all. And the one that affects me the most is maybe Michael Pena's character. What do you guys think about this? Do you think there's nothing to worry about that that Luis is going to be in there anyway? I, I kind of feel like it looks like it's not, but I would love it. Whatever you guys are thinking, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. We want to thank the sponsor of today's video, me undies what's something you look forward to waking up to every morning is it coffee your pet maybe it's the face of someone you love well me undies wants to add to that list start your mornings with your favorite underwear and not just any underwear but ridiculously soft undies with ridiculous prints that make picking out underwear 
actually fun because MeUndies makes the softest fabrics you've ever put on your body. So you can sit on your couch all day or go out and live your comfiest life. Once you try their undies, socks, bralettes, and longwear, you will never go back. Choose from a range of limited edition prints and colors and sizes that go from extra small all the way up to 4XL. You can also sign up for their free-to-join MeUndies membership where you get a monthly subscription that sends new styles right to your door. Plus, enjoy discounted pricing, free shipping, and exclusive early access to new launches. And listen, MeUndies has a great offer for my listeners. For any first-time purchasers, you get 15% off and free shipping. MeUndies also gives you this promise. If you're not satisfied with any product for any reason, you can return your order for a full refund within 45 days. To get your 15% off your first order and free shipping, just go to MeUndies.com slash Campia. That's MeUndies.com slash Campia. And a big thank you to me, Undies, for sponsoring my Gitch and this episode of the John Campia <laughs> Show. Thank you, guys. All right. With that down, as everybody tries to shake that image out of their head, let's move on to main topic number two, shall we? Chris. I'm so glad the camera gets to me now. Once you've gathered yourself, what is main topic number two? This is from Clint. On January 10th, Deadline reported that Bob Chapek's contract expires on February 28th, 2023. Mark your calendars, folks. <laughs> with everything going on at Disney from the walkout to the stock market, and now with Disney deciding to cancel the executive retreat, do you think a decision about Chapek's as CEO c comes soon since his contract has less than a year remaining? All right. Thanks a lot for writing that in, man. And yeah, look, everybody knows I'm, I'm not going to be facetious here. I'm not going to pretend things are not what they are. I am not a fan of the job that Bob Chapek has done running Disney. All right. And, and so I think it's important to acknowledge that, that right now I'm not a fan of it. I was all for it when they hired him. Like I was like, yes, that's a good choice. He's a company man. He's been there. He's worked closely with Iger. This is, I think this is a good shrewd move. Yes. Yeah. Well, that didn't work out so well. <laughs> And I, as we've been sitting back and watching Bob Chapek's mistakes uh, add up, whether it's the way he's alienating everybody at Pixar, the way he completely alienated all the creatives in the company, taking away their authority and giving the authority and creative decisions to non-creative people, whether it's the way he publicly embarrassed the company with the handling of the Scarlett Johansson situation, whether it's the way he's been costing them literally hundreds of millions of dollars with various release strategies, and then embarrassing the company even more with the recent political hubbub, which we're not going to go into here, but over and over. Then building upon that, the dissatisfaction that fans of the parks, we just talk about it from a movie point of view, but the fans of the parks, the fans of all that kind of stuff, the very fact that we've had now articles coming out, uh, highlighting the fact that, I mean, the man who made Disney what it has been the last 15 years, Big Papa Iger, maybe the most respected guy, he was idolized within that company. The two of them didn't even speak. They had such a dislike each other, they didn't even speak. On top of all that, you go and look at, like, the last six months' performance of Disney stock. It's not a pretty picture. It's not, not great. Oh. And now... On top of all of that, an announcement that as a result of all the upheaval and the chaos and everything that's going on because of JPEG, that a scheduled Disney executive retreat has been canceled because the executives just feel 
that there's far too much going on and that they have to play damage control on. I have been an advocate that regardless of how bad things have gone, that JPEG deserves three full years. And amidst, with that big laundry list, I also like to always remind people of this. It's not like Bob Chapek came into this job under glorious, pristine circumstances. No. Like the opening of Thor 1, where Odin and looked like was getting ready to hand over the throne of Asgard. Everything's perfect. Excellent situation for Thor to come in. That was not the situation Bob Chapek came into. Bob Chapek took over the reins when the company was in the midst of the global pandemic, the parks were shut down, theaters were shut down, movies were being shelved. He came in in a very difficult situation. And compounding that, he had to follow maybe the most beloved leader at Disney since Walt Disney himself. That's not easy. And I think we all, even when I'm being critical of JPEG, I think we all have to keep a very close eye on that. And, and remember that, that these were very different circumstances that he took over. What I do also believe that has come become apparent in two years that he's not a leader. He may be a very, very smart guy, but he's not a leader. And the way that Bob Iger was a leader, he could win a room. You never heard about grumbling or disgruntled departments at Disney. You never heard that, oh, Disney Animation's really unhappy or that Pixar's really unhappy, or that Lucasfilm's really unhappy, or Marvel's really unhappy. And you know what happened when there was a little bit, a little bit of disharmony going on, say, over at Marvel? It's like, damn, man, says Kevin Feige. I just don't know if I can work with this Perlmutter guy. <laughs> Iger doesn't going to let that stand. Iger and Alan Horn got together. It's like, we cannot have disharmony. We got to make this work. And so they reorganized Marvel so that Kevin Feige no longer reported to Ike Perlmutter. Instead, he direct, reported directly to Alan Horn, just one degree of Kevin Bacon's separation away from Bob Iger himself. That's the way Bob Iger led. He, got, he had vision, then he brought everybody on board with the vision, then he executed the vision, he was a communicator, he has emotional intelligence, he did all that kind of stuff. These are things we've seen lacking from Bob Chapek, and now the fact that Disney has to cancel an executive retreat... Because we just have too many fires to put out. Too many fires that that guy is setting. Well, as the person who wrote in reminded us, and, and we have been reminded lately, that Bob Chapek's contract is up in 11 months. 11 months. If Disney doesn't want him there anymore, and I, we are speaking purely hypothetically, if Disney doesn't want him there anymore, they don't have to go through the drama of ousting him. They don't have to go through the drama of having debates and taking movements and initiating golden parachutes and having drama in the press. Well, they can simply wait till February and say, as Bob Chapek's contract expires, they prepare the next CEO to come in. I have been an advocate for Bob Chapek saying, let's give him three years, let's give him three years. Yes, we can be critical of the things he's doing now, but let's see if he can turn this thing around. He came in in very difficult circumstances. I'm telling you right now, though, I have come to a place of, man, I cannot wait for February 2023 to get here because I feel like every day there's a new thing embarrassing the Disney company. 
this company that I love. I love this guy. I'm wearing the Avenger shirt here. I love this company. But I feel like every day, or at least every week, there's a new thing in the news about how Bob Iger is embarrassing the company. And Bob Chapek. Oh, sorry, Bob Chapek. Thank you. It's the Bobs. The Bobs. It's like <laughs> office space all over again. So in some way he's hurting the company about a new story about Disney Plus growth is getting stunted. A new story about Disney stock dropping. or another, like It's just... Just ride it out. I hope the board of Disney at this point is already actively searching for the next CEO, get things ready, and then move out, and then and maybe move Bob into another area of the company that he can use his skills that he does have to help the company. I, I don't know. But there's still a part of me that thinks, even if this contract expires, a change in leadership can be drastic. Mm-hmm. The stock drop at Disney when Bob Iger announced he was done was severe. And that had nothing to do with Bob Chapek. That, that wasn't his fault at all. It's just that, you know, stock markets do not like instability. So they might look at this and go, I don't know, let's just keep it the way it is. Rob, let me ask you. We've talked a lot about the drama that's going on here under Bob Chapek's rule. I, I honestly feel like in one month we talked more about drama caused by Chapek than we did in an entire 15 years of Bob Iger running the place. And it's not like Bob Iger never had some missteps. Of course he did. But what do you think? Are we on a ticking clock right now? Are we are are we on a ticking clock? Do you think the new chairman of the board of Disney is saying, I've seen enough, let's just run out the clock, let's get to February 2023? Or do you think they're like, nah, upheaval is even worse and we're just going to stick it out? Look into your crystal ball. What do you see happening and why? Well, first of all, I think it's important to reiterate, and you pointed this out, that JPEG took over at one of the most, talk about tumultuous times. I mean, it was a mess. The world, the world was a mess. You're in a pandemic, and and Disney's half of their business is about servicing the public through all of their various, whether it's parks or Disney cruises or their merchandising, their stores, whatever. Their their business is so based on servicing people, movies, and all, all, their entire business model was disrupted. I mean, somebody set off a bomb in the middle of their entire, and that's where where Chapek came into that that place yeah and not would, easy it would have been hard for anybody and, and, to take anybody over. i mean and literally it's almost as if a nuclear bomb was going off and and bob chapek had to walk right into the middle of it and manage how big the blast radius was who wants to do that like what it, it it's enormously difficult what he came in to deal with but that said the fact that he's not a guy like I mean, this is the time when a guy like Bob Iger has to be able to walk into a room, rally the troops. This is when leadership, John, is needed. Real leadership. George Patton leadership, where you can come <laughs> up and, and rally the troops, you know, like at the beginning of that movie, standing in front of that giant American flag, standing in front of a giant Mickey Mouse, and tell everybody, this is what we're going to do. And I don't think we got that from him. And you know what? That's not a criticism. It's just he's not that guy. He's not Bob Chapek. Uh, he's not Bob Iger. He's Bob Chapek. <laughs> and, and you know, you but you have to. So it's it's unfortunate. And then, you know, the, the latest hit this week about wading into politics in Florida, uh, you, you're damned if you do and damned if you don't. But I mean, as a as a matter of policy, I think a company. But it's hard when you're Disney, you're so entrenched in a state. And again, providing family entertainment. What do you do? He was he was presented with a, a thankless choice, and it, it's almost like I feel like he's getting bad advice. I feel like what he needs is he needs a 
He needs a team behind him. He needs other people. I feel like the poor man's out in the ocean in a rowboat and nobody's there. They're just waiting. Here comes multiple ocean liners. He's being tossed about in the surf and no one's no one's helping him. Like You, you know what they should have done? And I know that this is hindsight. I get it. And nobody, if you're in a Bob Chapek's position, nobody really wants this if you're Bob Chapek. But they should have done a Godfather. Because when Michael took over the family, what was the first thing that happened? Vito didn't go off and retire. He became consigliere. And and, and Michael leaned on everything Vito told him. Vito told him, they're going to come to you with an offer for peace. The one who comes to present it to you, he's the traitor, blah, blah. He was always right. And he always listened to him. What they should have done with Iger, and I get it. If you're Chapek, you don't want daddy looking over your shoulder. But if they should have said, okay, you're going to step down, uh, Iger, but you're going to stay on for three years. And he should have been the consigliere advising Chapek. And Chapek should have hung on every word Iger said. And then, you know, kind of taken over. I think they should have godfathered this thing in. I don't know. Well, you're not wrong. I mean, and, and, but the thing is, you know how Hollywood works. Nobody wants that. Yeah, I get it. You Bob, know, it's, I get it. All I keep thinking is Bob Chapek in his room, and there's this phone with a red button on it with covered in glass. Every time he needs advice, he, he flips the lid. And calls Iger. But let's be honest here. <laughs> Chapek isn't Michael. He's no. Fredo. <laughs> oh. Fredo. Oh. I mean, come on. Come on. We all know it. He's Fredo. He's not Michael. And so when I, does his contract end again? In 11 months? February. You say? 11 months. February 20th. When does that uh, hotel, Star Wars hotel, open up? <laughs> I, th- I think it might be open now. Yeah, it's open. Oh, it is. Yeah, yeah I well, think Well, Chapek, you've done a fine job. <laughs> Other than the Pixar, Black Widow, I'll forgive that. <laughs> you're doing a great job. You're doing a great job. <laughs> uh, Chris, you're seeing this whole situation. What do you think? I mean, we are... We aren't really talking about how they could keep him because contracts go one of two ways. They get renewed or they don't. Yeah. So, I mean, we obviously need to have a big turnaround here, but what happens if they renew his contract? What if they do give him that full full amount of time to really see how he uses his power? Um, and, you know, he just keeps making worse decisions, <laughs> not even bad decisions, just worse decisions. Because regardless of your political stances, it's really easy to take a stand on something after something passes. Right. There yes. is no yes. honor in that whatsoever. And if you stand for nothing, what are you going to fall for? What? What are you all looking for, though, aside from the strong leadership qualities, right? And aside from being named Bob, obviously, like who, who is the next CEO? Do we need to thaw out Walt's head? Like what's what do you need for Disney? Jason to- Killer. Yeah, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's kidding. But is there anyone that you have like waiting in the wings in the back of your minds, though, who you're like, this person would be great in this role? Yeah, I mean, like, obviously, I'm I'm not inside Disney yeah. structure there, but yeah. I would be curious to see who, when they were putting together the succession plan for Iger, who was the name after Chapek, and what was the name after that, and what was the name after that? I mean, probably whoever they, they pick next, hopefully, will be somebody we've never heard of, because... They're not in the press. They they do. They're just brilliant and smart and and can lead. And I, but I don't know. I want you know, another creative. Yeah. I want another creative guy in there. Somebody who's gone through the the whole process of being at Disney. I was a, a Disney college kid. Like I mm. did their program and everything. And that's the whole purpose of the college program. It's it's much like the page programs. You go through the entire system basically. You learn the ins and outs of this company. You learn about how Walt walked fifteen feet 
to see when people would drop their trash so you knew exactly how far to space out trash cans. You go through all the same training, regardless of whether you're a CEO or you're schlepping popcorn. And I think that's something that's missing right now is, is somebody who's kind of gone through the ranks. You know, I could see this. I have no, I've, by the way, I'm pulling this one out of my behind, my tux, mm-hmm. as we say. Uh, Toby Emmerich from Warner Brothers, mm-hmm. who who is, you know, David Zaslav is the man. Toby Emmerich has worked his way up in the industry. He's produced over 100 movies. He's written films. He ran. He was at Warner Brothers. I think that I could see him, like Alan Horn before him, moving over to Disney. I don't know if he could take the Bob Chapek role. See, that's the thing. You just brought up the name. I, I see some people say, Kevin Feige over there. Okay, great. You're naming people who would be good to replace Alan Horn. Emmerich knows nothing about running theme parks. That's true. Kevin Feige knows nothing about running a global business or theme parks or cruise lines or or whatever, right? That's why I'm like, I hope it's somebody we've never heard of. Like, I, I want somebody who's like, who become in, who, and who maybe not be a creative themselves, but has a lofty respect for creatives. Yeah, but you know? what if they bring in like somebody from Coca-Cola? What's you know, fine? Somebody, somebody from some, but I think that- That's fine because like the CEO of AMC Theaters when I was there, okay, Jerry Lopez- he was a CEO and he was, he guided AMC through its greatest era of success. He didn't come from a theater background. He was just brilliant business. Right. He, and he, he was a brilliant leader, a brilliant leader who understood business. And so he was able to come in from an entirely different industry, have the right people around him and guided AMC to great success. And I think that's why, I don't, I don't know that it has to be somebody from a studio system or whatever. You, just, you need a great visionary leader who understands the operational of a large global-wide organization and knows how to inspire people to create a vision, get people behind the vision. These are all skills that, while maybe very intelligent, Bob Chapek doesn't seem to possess. So, I mean, I don't know. I'm not in the room, but it's going to be really yeah, interesting it, to see it, what it, happens. What happens in February 2023? Question is for you guys. What do you think about this whole thing? Now, the Disney executive retreat had to be canceled because they got to run around and put out fires. Do you think this is a ticking clock down to February 2023? Or do you think they're just going to renew them again come 2023? What do you guys think is going to happen? Jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. All right, guys. With that down, let's move into main topic Number three, continuing with happiness and joy. Let's get over there, Chris. What is main topic number three? Topic number three comes from the antagonistic anonymous. Hey, John and co. The first fan reactions for Morbius are out. And unfortunately, it does seem like the film does not live up to expectations. The common cons of the film are featured throughout the reactions include messy plot with poor CGI. However, one of the more consistent concerning cons of the reactions were the post-credit scenes, which are labeled as one of the worst, most confusing post-credits ever <laughs> featured. John, my hype and expectations for Morbius are down to zero. So I was wondering, what are your thoughts now on Morbius and its fan reactions? Break out the Academy Awards now for 2023, for Jared Leto, for Best Picture, for Best Visual Effects. God, I have been so excited. You guys know if you watch the show. Not, I'm not being facetious. I have been legitimately super hyped for this movie. 
I've been so excited for this. I think Jared Leto is a tragically under, despite the fact that he has an Academy Award, is a tremendously disrespected actor. I think he's absolutely a fantastic performer. I think the trailers for this movie look fantastic. I think the clips for this movie looked absolutely fantastic. And I have been excited about this movie. Damn it, I've been excited about this movie. Well, that excitement's been taking a beating this week. <laughs> As first... Reports start coming out that all the, the whole marketing campaign that was all built around the whole idea about the interconnectedness of the shared universe and everything, all BS. All BS. It was a complete misdirect. Not No, not a misdirect. It was a complete deception. It was an <laughs> orchestrated deception. So that kind of took some of the wind out of my sails. But still, I soldiered on. I'm like, I believe that I got my tickets already. I believe this is going to be a good, fun movie, and maybe I will still think so. But the early actions of people who have indeed seen, who have confirmed they have seen this film, are now coming out, and they come in just a little bit below my lofty expectations. Yeah. And by a little bit below, I mean way down. Really, really down. It's not looking good. Here are some of the reactions from screenings out of the UK. Uh, Seb Astley writes, well... Morbius is about as bad as you were expecting. <laughs> a 2005 plot collides with a visually confusing CGI. Oh, Chris is soaking this in. <laughs> She's like <laughs> drinking this up like your milkshake. Uh, that goes this on to my say, yellow sun. <laughs> confusing CGI to create a bit of a snooze fest. Uh, but yeah, that's, that's not good. Oh, wow. But don't worry. They saved the worst for last, featuring some of the worst post-credit scenes you have ever seen. Another viewer at the screening, uh, Nicola Austin, writes, Well, Morbius is unfortunately not great. Some really shoddy visual effects and 2000s formulaic plot, and definitely not as fun as Venom. Really confused at the future of Sony Spider-Verse following the post credit scenes and the ending. But Matt Smith is clearly having a blast. All right, Escape Film Club writes, Morbius proves that no matter how many famous faces or shiny visuals you squeeze in, they will always find a way to impressively misunderstand basic storytelling. Oh. Uh, also write, writing in, uh, in Morbius, Matt Smith gloriously hams up the place. A lot of people saying good things about Matt Smith. Um, gloriously hams up the place, uh, and Oliver Wood delivers some visual flair to the action sequences. Aside from that, uh, the bad plotting and messy CGI, confusing entity, and worse sound mix results in absolute incoherence, but the post-credit scenes manage to outdo it all. Oh, A lot wow. of comments about the post-credit scenes. Now, I, I should point out that in the 15 to 20 of the reactions that I read, there were a couple of them that were positive. Like, not saying it's the greatest thing of all time, but there were a couple of them saying, you know what? This is pretty fun. I had a good time at it. Was it, though? Great. But the vast, vast, vast majority of the early reactions were, this is the theme. Extremely confusing was, was a theme. Nowhere near as good as Venom. Post-credit scenes were the worst of all time. I'm like, how bad can a post-credit scene be? I mean, I, I you can have Bob Chapek scratching his ass with a empty coca-cola can for how bad can a post-credit scene be but apparently everybody's talking about just how bad the post-credit scenes are <laughs> oh my they're criticizing one of the things that i thought looked really good in the film which i thought the the visual effects in the trailers and in the clips looked really good but we're hearing a lot of criticism about the visual effects and that has just made no sense i've been really excited about this movie for like two years <laughs> and how i'm hearing this and i'm i gotta tell you man my expectations of 
dropped quite a bit. And it's especially disappointing because hearing this, now again, I haven't seen it yet myself. I'll, I'll see it in about a week. But it's especially disappointing to hear this because I am a big fan of the Venom movies. And I, I liked Venom 2 quite a lot. And I'm really excited about Craven the Hunter and the other stuff like Madam Web. I don't know if you heard about this, it's Rob, Madam Web. But I've been really no, excited really? about what, what it looks like they've got coming up. And to hear this, ooh, this is this is disappointing for Goosebumps, me to hear. Goosebumps, baby. Goosebumps right here. I cannot wait to not see this. Oh, you're going to see it. Oh, you're going to go see it because you got to do an out of the theater reaction. Oh, I do. I today I'm going to Walmart. I'm touching every single item on the shelf. I'm I am catching something today. We're, we're all sneezing in Ray's mouth. We're all everybody. Wow, I need to get out of work. So I'm going to go to Walmart. That should be a whole ad campaign. Look, and I know there is nobody more surprised in this room to hear this than Chris Carr. She is by far the most shocked to hear. My lord, I'm so shocked. <laughs> uh, Chris, you're hearing this. Uh, what are you thinking? The floor is yours. As she drinks everybody's milkshake. <laughs> I love this. I love this so much. Because I think this looks terrible. So all of my expectations are being met. I was right about Uncharted. I will be right about Morbius. Everything is coming up car. Well, a lot of people liked Uncharted. I so. know, but I still didn't. And then you two even walked out of that theater being like, I didn't like this movie. Yeah, <laughs> I did. So... I love Matt Smith. I'm glad he does well in this. I'm really excited for Jared to put that Razzie next to his Oscar. Oh, yeah. Well, okay. I will point out, I haven't read any of the reactions criticize his acting, his acting in it, right? I, which is good. But I haven't. I also haven't heard anybody say, "Wow, Jared Leto was amazing in this." But then I'm not hearing anybody saying anything amazing about it at all. Yeah. But. Uh, no specific criticism about yeah. Leto playing it. I'm super excited to like anger watch this though. Because <laughs> how bad does a post credit scene have to be that it causes this amount of outrage? Like, do they insult your mother in the post credit scene? What happens? That's, I mean, literally, oh, if it, this is delicious. Post credit scene could be a blank screen and then a cat walking across a white table. That's All basically right. Captain Marvel's post credit scene. It, it kind of really is. <laughs> And they go, okay, that happened. But it, it's a post-credit scene. It can't be all that negative. What is in these post-credit scenes? They have people like so pissed off at this movie. They put down every single thing about this movie other than the trailers you watched before the movie mm -hmm. or the popcorn. That's it. That's all. That's all. Nobody's That's all. The they popcorn. <laughs> Rob, you're hearing this. I, I like, I... You knew going into where we were going to hear super glowing reviews coming up, but I, I, I got to tell you, I'm pretty surprised by how negative the stuff I'm hearing is. What stands out to you? First of all, as a lifelong horror film fan and a fan of vampires in comics, whether it's Tomb of Dracula, whether it's Morbius, the living vampire, I don't understand how you can mess up this paradigm. We just had the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu uh, pass us by. Here's a, here's a classic story. A, a scientist looking for a cure creates something that turns him into a monster. This is one of the most classic horror stories ever. Like, how do you mess this up? And, and, and I was really excited about this because it looked like, oh, great. They're putting a classic horror story into the Sony Spider-Verse. What, what could go wrong, John? What could go wrong? I mean, you know, scientist creates 
fat bats bite him, whatever. He turns into a vampire, kills a bunch of people, doesn't know if he's human or bat, whatever. I'm like, I get it. I'm already, I see the trailer. I'm, uh, give me that. Give me that. How hard can that be? So when I read, well, you know, very well, I, making a good motion. Picture I, I, know, I know, I know, I know, I <laughs> know. But then it's like when you hear that there's people are calling out bad CG. First of all, why is it that everybody refers? Why? American Werewolf in London, your favorite horror movie. Do you yes. know how much CG that movie had in it? Zero. Zero. It had physical effects, great transformation effects. Why is it that that did you see American Werewolf in Paris? Yes. Terrible. And you know why? Because it was a bad story. And it a bad story, but all it had was CG werewolves. I mean, it's it, it's just I, I hear this and I'm like, how do you this is not hard. I mean, it's hard to make a great movie, yes, but the criticisms that they're giving us, incoherent editing, it does seem it does smack to me of a bit of studio interference when things are incoherently edited. That's like like I thought Suicide Squad, the first Suicide Squad. When I saw that movie, I almost had to walk out because I hated how 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 horribly it was edited. I'm like, how did you how did you let this go? And the studio had it recut by a trailer company. I'm like, ah, I understand. So I look at this, John, and I I just I was really looking, Chris. Mm-hmm. I was really looking forward to this How movie. How is it my fault? Well, I'm just not I your can't fault. I that I'm just right about. So you were rooting wrong. against it somehow. You can influence the universe. <laughs> no, but no, John. I mean, I really wanted this to be good. I, I, it ticked so many boxes for me, and and they're doing so well with Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm-hmm. And I look at this; it gives me no pleasure. Kind of like this week's episode of Picard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you had to throw that in there somehow, right? Ray, come on, you gotta have some enthusiasm for this. Uh... I'm actually quite scared now because like I, I was I was beginning to trust Sony. I thought maybe working with uh Marvel Studios with the last Spider-Man movies, they would take, you know, some lessons from them. And and you know, just the trust. I, I wanted this to be a good kickoff of as a solo movie after No Way Home. But it's if it's bad, it's uh, I don't like this bad start. If it is bad, you know, John, I think that this might be a result. This movie's been when was this supposed to come out? Two years ago, probably. Yeah, I I have no basis in fact, but I'm wondering if the studio second guessed this movie over the last two years for whatever reason, and maybe they meddled with it. Well, I mean, we got yeah. We, we, don't, we simply don't know. Can no. we can but, we agree that all the effects in the trailer look great? They did. They did. Yeah, look I great, they look right? great. Yeah, they look great. So somewhere, <laughs> and his <laughs> design is great. The vampire, the Morbius, right. that vampire design. But, but here's I this is where this confusing. Look, every studio. Look, I thought Hawkeye was bad, so even Marvel can make bad things. Mm-hmm. But I again, the disappointment to me is, I think they've really gone. They were doing so well with the Venom films. I think those are just fantastic, fun entertainment. I really, that's, again, that's a lot of the comments coming out. It's like, just not as fun as Venom. Everybody was like talking, coming out of these things. Like, Venom had it, this one doesn't. And also, like, they made, this is the company that made better Spider-Man movies than Disney ever has. Like, I think they've made two Spider-Man movies better than Disney ever has in Spider-Man 2 and uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. But they, the, the things like editing, visual effects you had two extra years to smooth those out you didn't need to bring anybody you didn't have to go back to location you didn't have to bring cast back in 
You just needed to get a producer or two, a director, an editor into a room, look at that. If you realize you had some effects that were looking pretty bad, you got two years. And when you got a lot of time, you can get some pretty decent visual effects done less expensively. I, I just don't know what the excuse would be for those types of things slipping through the cracks at this point. If the story's terrible, the story's terrible. But again, I haven't seen it. And and could it could the story be terrible because of a connected universe? I of mean, of course it could. Yeah, it absolutely could. could I mean, be, having not seen that, yeah, can't say for yeah, sure, I, 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 that's I'm, a possibility. Yeah, I'm really interested um, to find out why. So, guys, I do want to see it though. I, I now, am now. Oh, I want to. Go oh, I am definitely still seeing because it. Because you can learn a lot from a movie that uh, is a debacle. I just hope this theater serves tea so I can sip it. <laughs> I, I got a feeling you'll be bringing all the tea you want. Be so, great. guys, question is for you. What do you think about uh, what we're hearing coming out about Morbius? I remain excited. Oh, I, God. I just got to admit I'm not as excited as I was. So I'm going in a little bit more guarded now. What do you guys think? Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. We want to take a moment and thank the sponsor of this video, Coinbase. Have you found yourself curious about getting involved in cryptocurrency? But if you're like a couple of friends of mine who have been really interested in it, they felt kind of overwhelmed by it, like not even knowing how to get started. Well, that's where Coinbase comes in because they make learning to buy and sell crypto simple. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy to use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. And that's why millions of people all over the world in a hundred different countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. So whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com slash campia sign up at coinbase.com slash campia for ten dollars in free bitcoin this offer is for a limited time only so be sure to sign up today that's coinbase.com slash campia and thank you for sponsoring this episode of the john campia show all right guys with that down let's move on to main topic number four chris what is our fourth main topic today? This comes from Alan Main. Greetings and salutations, everyone. John, on yesterday's show, you mentioned that you were going to see the new movie, The Lost City. Me and my girlfriend went to go see it too and had a total blast. I thought Tatum and Bullock were really great together and we laughed a lot. Wanted to know what your thoughts on the movie were and do you think it could turn into a franchise like Romancing the Stone did? Thanks. All right, thanks a lot for saying that in. Yeah, and it was six, seven months ago, however long ago the last CinemaCon was. Aaron Cummings and I were there, and they started to show us uh, some some feature stuff of this new movie with Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock called Lost City. And I got to say, I at first didn't think it sounded very good, but then they started playing some footage. I'm like, you know what? This looks like it could be pretty fun. And then the trailers have come out, and I think that they've done a good job with the trailers. And so, you know what, I, I started to develop a pretty good expectation and some excitement about the movie. So yesterday, after the John Cave show was done, Ann and I went out to go watch The Lost City. Now, as of right now, uh, with over 100 reviews, The Lost City is holding a 76% critic rating and an 85% 
audience rating. Mm. So critics are liking it. Audiences seem to be liking it even more. So Anne and I go in to watch this movie. What was it going to give? It was going to be just like schlocky rom-com stuff with a couple of stars. Could it be really interesting? So here's where I landed on it. This is not a great movie. The story is so thrown together. Um, how they handle secondary characters is almost laughable. Although seeing Oscar from The Office back again, of course, he was in another Sandra Bullock movie in The Proposal uh, where he was so great in that. But seeing him back in this was, was pretty damn great. But I recommend this movie. I do. I, 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 but John, you just said the story. Nah, the story's not very good. Uh, very, it kind of like the whole script was like, whatever. We just need an excuse to have these two performers together on screen and give them really good, charming, uh, funny, witty dialogue between them. And that's all we need. And you know what? I've always said this hot comedy and horror are unique in the, the genres in that you can do almost everything wrong in a horror. As long as you deliver the scares, People will forgive everything else. Same is true as comedy. You can do almost everything wrong in comedy. You can have a lame story, bad background, bad story progression, whatever. If you make the audience laugh, everything else is forgiven. And this movie delivers on that. Uh, this is a movie that delivers a good time. Anne and I were, were watching this, and like many times through the movie, we were sitting there laughing along, giggling a lot. The banter between the two of them is gold. The banter between the two of them is gold. And by the way, that one scene that they show in one of the trailers where she's like picking leeches off his <laughs> back, yeah, that's like a quarter of that scene. That scene gets real funny. Like really funny. Quite a bit. Um, Brad Pitt, while all of us kind of assumed he's not in the movie much, he's in more of it than you think. Again, he's not in a lot of it. He's not a lot, but but he's in more of it than you think. And Brad Pitt, for whatever portion of the movie that he's in, owns it. Like, completely owns it. He's fantastic. And then the, the dynamic between Pitt and Sandra Bullock was great. The dynamic between Pitt and Channing Tatum was great. But the real strength and heart of this film is the dynamic between Channing Tatum and Sandra Bullock. And on that level, it works really well. And I, like, I was constantly... I love going to movies with my wife because I always love looking over at her face because I can tell if this movie's any good just from how her face is. And the every time I would look over at my wife, big grin, big smiles. A couple <laughs> times there were tears, like laughing tears uh, coming out of her face, which is always good. And that's what it is. I, I'll give you an example, though, of something that's really weird. There's a scene that is in one of the trailers where they're on stage at what looks like kind of like a Comic-Con where they're getting ready to launch this the newest book in Sandra Bullock's franchise. And they're talking, oh, there's so many people here. Man, they cheaped out on that scene. Because it's like four rows of chairs. There were maybe like 40 or 50 people in the audience. <laughs> and they were treating it like it was Hall Frickin' H at Comic-Con <laughs> or something. It's like, okay, you pretty much cheaped out there. But um, yeah, it's all about that chemistry and the dynamic. And the laughs are there. Now, I should also point out, Daniel Radcliffe plays the villain in the film. I loved him in this. I really did. Now, not a huge, massive role. I think probably at most, he probably has about 15 minutes of screen time, oh. maybe a little bit more, but that that is spread throughout the whole film. 
And whenever he's on screen, he's great. Again, most of his scenes, he's interacting with Sandra Bullock, and I thought they were great together. So I really did like Daniel Radcliffe, and this was nice seeing him get a little bit of a shot at it. So, yeah, overall, is this a great movie? Mm, no. Is it a good, entertaining movie that I think you'll have fun at tonight if you go to see it? Yeah, I do. Now, as far as the last part of that question, do I think this can become a franchise like Romancing the Stone? which obviously this movie is very kind of heavily based on. No, no, I, I, I can tell you right now, as much fun as I had at it and as, as many good laughs as there were, and as much as I like these two characters together, I got to tell you, while I would tell you to go out and see this movie tonight, I'm not interested in another one. I, I really don't. I think this is a good one and done move on, but uh, yeah, go see the lost city. Have you guys right. had any excitement for it? Well, it looks, I mean, it looks appealing. It looks like the kind of comedy I enjoy, you know. Um, I like the performers in it. All the actors. Look, when Brad Pitt, all the way back to True Romance, don't you condescend me, man. <laughs> I mean, he, Brad Pitt has always been in comedic roles, I think, has always delivered for the most part. And what a what a fun cast. It just looks fun. Chris, what about you? I'm very excited. I think that's what Logan and I are doing today. We were going to go to Universal City Walk and catch a flick. So I'm pumped to see it. I love that Oscar's in it. I love him so much. He's so great. You're like, oh, yeah, Oscar from The Office. He's He pops oh. up in this. And I told, because Ann turned to me, she goes, he was in the other Sandra Bullock movie. So I got to assume they must be friends. Have I met he, him yet? Oscar in The Office, was he in the first episode? Yeah, he's the yes. accountant. He's yes. one of the accountants. He's one of the accountants. I'll point I'll point him out to you which one he is. Okay. Uh, of course, Rob and I are, are starting a show called the uh, the Oscar Ver the Oscar Virgin. The uh, although we are all of that uh, yeah. too. <laughs> that too. But yeah. uh, called the Office Virgin because he's never watched The Office before. By the way, a uh, side note: we said we were going to launch that in the next couple of weeks. It's actually going to not launch until May. Uh, but keep your eyes, even though we've already recorded one episode, but keep your eyes open for that. But uh, yeah, I'll point out which one he is. In okay. There too. Anyway, guys, question is for you. What do you think about my little review here of the movie? Have you guys had a chance to see it? If so, what were your thoughts? Have you been excited for it? Maybe you saw you didn't like it so much. Whatever your thoughts are, jump down to the comment section below and leave those thoughts there. Okay, guys, with that down... Let's move on to main topic number five here, shall we? Chris, what is our fifth main topic today? This comes from Shelby Waters. Hello, my favorite crew. Matt Reeves decided to drop a deleted scene from the Batman featuring Barry Kogan as the Joker. At first, I wasn't sure about having a Joker in this universe, but after seeing that deleted scene, I feel completely different. Kogan's portrayal is terrifying, sinister, and visually unsettling. What'd y'all think? Have a great day and bring on the filthy. All right, so... Yesterday during the John Campion show, <laughs> our message board started to, to blow up. There's a deleted scene of the Joker. Oh, my God. Everybody tell John, like, Ray. Tell, tell John. Tell John, Ray. Tell John. <laughs> like, everybody was, like, freaking the hell out that there was a deleted scene. To which I said, okay, yeah, I, I know this just happened, but we're not going to stop our show to go watch a scene that the director didn't even want in the movie. And it wasn't like a minute or 90 seconds either. No, it's like a five-minute scene. Yeah. yeah. I was like, we're not going to do that during the middle of the show. Like, it's a deleted scene. Like, whatever. I'll, I'll watch it later. Uh, so, indeed, I, I did go, and I watched it later. And for those of you who don't know anything about the scene or you're not familiar with it, uh, if you haven't seen it, I'm sure everybody probably has by now. It's a pretty cool scene. Mm-hmm. The Batman basically goes, he's, have, he's being stumped by the Riddler. 
and he decides to go and visit somebody they do not name, but we know is the Joker in prison to get his point of view, kind of like Clarice going to Dr. Lecter to get, you know, the, the point of view of a psychopath. You know, what do you think about this? To which the Joker looks at the file for three seconds and instantly pieces the whole thing together in three seconds. And then there's some exchanges, dialogue back and forth and whatnot. And the Batman goes. The question is, should they have left that scene in the movie? Should they have left it in the movie? And I've seen a lot of discussion online about it. I got a couple of thoughts. Let me give you why I don't think they should have left it in the movie, why I do think you could argue they should have left it in, and then another argument why they should have taken it out. Let me start with the negative stuff first. I think it's good that they took this scene out for a couple of reasons. One is, the scene implies the Batman was incompetent. The scene kind of implies that the Batman who can't make heads or tails of this entire mystery he has. Now, granted, he's only in year two of being Batman. But he's so stumped by it that he literally takes it to the Joker, who literally looks at it for about three to five seconds and has already pieced the whole thing together, making Batman look like an idiot. And, I I mean, I would have... I've not heard Matt Reeves talk about his rationale and reasoning in his own head for taking that scene of his out. But... It, it seems to me that that would have been counterintuitive to try to really, the building up of Batman, the detective, all that kind of stuff. It's like, I can't figure any of this out. Why? Well, really? I just looked at page one of this 85 file, page file, and I've already figured the whole damn thing out. So that was one. It, it kind of diminished Batman, I thought the scene did. The other thing was, if he had, if Batman had come into the room and then said to him, did you look at it? Like implying that he had left the file with him for a day or two days or three days. And then he said everything he said. That would make more sense. But instead, literally, Joker opens up, looks at a page or two, and he figures everything out because everything the Joker says is completely correct. Right. He's nailed what Dano's doing. He's nailed how it's impacting Batman, although he's probably been obsessed with Batman up until this point, but still. So for those reasons, I actually think it served the movie better to take the scene out. That said, the tension, the atmosphere, the performance, this was a fun scene to watch. This, like for me, despite everything else I just said and and all that being true, this was a fun scene to watch. And again, what do I always say about the Jokers? That you face, whenever you try to do a new iteration of Joker, you face a very distinct challenge to A, make it very much encoded in the DNA Joker, but B, make it completely like any other Joker that we've had. That's a grow, and that's a challenge that just gets harder and harder and harder as you go. This was a very different Joker than we've ever had, but was so clearly Joker. And so that was really cool. Seeing, you know, Druig in there doing his thing as Joker, I mean, I thought it was great. I also love the creative choice to always have him out of focus. Like, that was a really neat creative choice. And so I quite like the scene a lot. But now let's come down to the, the basic decision of this. Should they have left this in the movie? I think they needed to do one of two things 
And there was a third option that they absolutely should not have done. And they did the third option. You guys know that I love the Batman movie. Love it. The worst part of the movie was that scene at the end. I, I honestly thought the worst part of the Batman movie was the scene with Paul Dano and uh, and Joker in that thing. It it was it came out of nowhere. It was disjointed. It felt weird and silly and whatever. And I honestly thought worst part of the movie. Not that I don't think he'll make a good Joker at some point, but it did not fit in the flow of the movie. I think they needed to do one of two things. They needed to a not have either of those Joker scenes in the movie. Like they already cut out the main one. They should have cut out that one at the end too. He shouldn't have been there at all. Or B, have both of them in there. Because guess what? If that five minute deleted scene had been in the film earlier, it would have made that last scene better because it wouldn't have felt out of nowhere. It wouldn't have felt all, like, like a random. We would have now heard him talking to Daniel with some background on this guy. We already have met this guy, and I think it would have made that last scene better. So you either take both of them out or you leave both of them in. Instead, they took the only wrong option, which is take out the one and leave in the other. And I thought that was, it didn't ruin the movie. The movie's awesome. Like, it's incredible. But I think those are the three options. So, yeah, I think maybe you could have left it in with it or they could have taken them both out. That's where I'm at. Rob, you had a chance to take a look at this five-minute scene. A lot of good things about it. Should they have left it in? What are your thoughts? The thing that struck me when I first watched this is Joker had already been defeated. He was already in jail. Yeah. And it wasn't like he was in jail because he had an extended plan. I, you know, I got the impression that Batman already put him away or something happened and and yet there was a mutual respect there here's why I'm going to you it's 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 like if you watch i mean obviously the Hannibal Lecter uh, the memory of Hannibal Lecter loomed large over this scene and there are two different versions of Hannibal Lecter i couldn't stop thinking about one is Brian Cox's version from Hannibal i mean from a uh, Manhunter the first time we see Hannibal Lecter and Will Graham goes there and brings a file to Hannibal Lecter and gives it to him Please take a look at this file. I want to know if you have any insight into the Tooth Fairy. I mean, it's literally almost the same scene. And then, of course, um, in Silence of the Lambs, Jodie Foster also goes to see Hannibal Lecter. In both scenes, Hannibal Lecter has already been captured, apprehended. I didn't like the fact that Joker was already apprehended. If you're going to introduce Joker, I want to see him begin his rampage. Or 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 it it, it 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 rubbed me the wrong way, John. That he was in jail, but the Riddler wasn't. <laughs> I was like, "Come on, this guy's clearly a better." Well, the Riddler hadn't committed any crimes. Yet. No, I know, but it was just it was just like the guy. How is Joker put away? And Batman needs Joker's help, but he can't get this incel chump that's on the internet with five hundred people causing mayhem. I'm like, "Come on!" But that that's more of a philosophical difference. But on the other hand. I thought it really stopped the movie cold because if you're watching the scene, you're like, now, wait a minute. This is the movie I really want to see. I really want to see the movie between Batman and Joker. I suddenly was far more interested in their dynamic because Batman doesn't interact with the Riddler in the whole movie the way he's interacting with Joker in this scene. And I'm like, this is I want to see more of this. And so I think they were smart to get rid of it. But like you, I would have gotten rid of that post tag as well because especially now that you've seen this scene it would have been interesting to see 
I don't know, more Joker in the movie, but I think they should have taken this out. Absolutely. Chris, uh, you had a chance to see this scene. Uh, number one, what did you think about the scene in and of itself? And then having watched it, do you think it should have been left in the movie? Do you think they're like, one of those three options? I don't know. How would you approach this? I don't think the Joker should have been in this movie at all. I don't think he should have shown up in any way, shape, or form. Um, I do think this is a much better scene than the one that's in the film. Um, I like that we have that like slow focus then on his mouth. And like we see him in the film, right? But that was still shocking. Just once it finally came into focus and we saw how gnarly he looked. His, gnar his face is gnarly. I like it's, that a lot. It's wicked gnarly. It's a wild look. I love it. And it's got that kind of more realistic acid burn feel to it, too, that, that feels right to me. Um, I like the idea of a young Batman in over his head, right? Just trying to come talk to somebody else, trying to figure it all out. But I don't, I don't think this should have been in the film. And I think Matt was right to keep it out of the film. What do you think about my observation? Like, I, I wonder if you guys disagree with that. that. Like, my observation was the scene actually diminished Batman. Like, the fact that I couldn't make hide nor hair of this, but in three seconds, Joker could figure it all out. Like, do you agree with that? Do I totally that? agree with that. I think you're up. That was, I was going to say that before I forgot. That was an absolutely astute observation because, I, I mean, again, it puts Batman, he's getting kind of jobbed, as you would put it, by the Joker. Mm -hmm. And even while the Joker's in prison, I didn't like the fact that Batman is in. Like he's he's he, Batman is not diminished. He's he's learning. He's he's like a a, a a a rookie athlete that has a great first season. I mean, that's what the Batman is. And I didn't like that. I think you're absolutely right that he d is diminished by that scene. I didn't feel that way, but I think that's because I was mostly focusing on him kind of poking and prodding at the bat. Right. Of, you know this. This says so much more about you and that kind of mental like gymnastics that he wanted to start engaging in. My and favorite, that was my big takeaway. My favorite part of that scene, to your point, mm -hmm. was at the end as Batman's walking out, he goes, you think he's right. Mm -hmm. You think they had it coming. Like, and, and which is kind of something, it alludes a little bit to that conversation between Batman and Gordon. Mm -hmm. When Gordon even kind of brought that up, it's like, are you saying they deserved this? Mm -hmm. You know, that, so that was, was the, kind of interesting too. Best yeah. part of the, I thought that was the best part mm -hmm. of the whole thing because that brings up a really, I mean, I thought that they should have leaned into that more in the film is that Batman feels a kinship because they're both, they're right. both looking for justice. But it was Riddler who felt the kinship. Yeah, yeah. but it, right. But I mean, but in terms of, have. in terms of methodology, and it, it would have been the first time we heard it would, would have been from the Joker. You think he's right. And then there could have been, that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. I mean, those levels of what is justice as opposed to vengeance. And that was Batman's transformation. And if that Joker scene had come halfway through the movie, Batman could have said something. He's wrong. I didn't think the Riddler wasn't right. Right. You know, and, and that was part of what he learns by the end of the film. So I haven't had a chance to ask Ray. I'm, I'm going to guess you had a chance to watch this scene. What did you think about the scene? This Joker is terrifying. Like, he it uh, does come across as terrifying. The shots of the scars on back of his head, I was like, that's that's really cool. Um, the blurring, the focus thing, um, I didn't like it as much. I kind of just wanted a clear shot of him, but I get why they did it. Uh, I I don't see him, uh, Batman being diminished either. I, I agree, Chris. I, that didn't come off like that for me. I actually um actually like that he actually goes to the joker for advice because it just shows how you know how how he got stumped on this one just on this one and he needed a uh, his opinion i i don't i don't know i like the scene i i think they should have kept it in it well guys 
The question is for you. What did you think about that five-minute deleted scene with the Joker? And do you think ultimately it was the right creative decision to take it out of the film? Or do you think it should have stayed in the film? Maybe they should have kept that and taken out the one at the end, kept them both in, take them both out. Whatever you guys are thinking about it, jump on down to the comment section below and let us know your thoughts. Guys, we want to take just a minute and thank the sponsor of this video, Masterclass. Masterclass is offering classes on a wide variety of topics, like all taught by world-class masters at the absolute tops of their field. Each class is broken down out into individual video lessons, usually like around 10 minutes or so long, and members can explore at their own pace. And each class is supported by downloadable materials, lessons, recipes, or more that you can all find at masterclass.com. For example, are you into streaming? Well, you can take the Building Your Streaming class taught by ninjas so you can sharpen up on your streaming skills. Or if you're interested in independent filmmaking, take independent filmmaking from Academy Award winner Spike Lee. You want to get classes on how to direct? How about from Ron Howard? The very first one I personally looked up and got into was Business Leadership by the great Big Papa Iger, Bob Iger himself. And I was absolutely enthralled with it. I love every single minute of this stuff. If any of those apply to you, you need to try Masterclass. So I highly recommend that you check it out. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass. And as a John Campy Show viewer, you get 15% off an annual membership. Go to masterclass.com slash Campia. Once again, to get 15% off your annual membership, go to masterclass.com slash Campia. And thank you to the good folks of Masterclass for sponsoring this episode of the John Campy Show. I cannot recommend it enough, guys. Masterclass is pretty freaking awesome. Make sure you guys go and check that out. All right, guys. With that down, let's now go on and take your live comments and questions that you guys have been sending in. Chris, get us started. What are we starting with? Andy, today is the sixth anniversary of Batman versus Superman. Any thoughts? Yeah, six anniversaries aren't, I mean, 5th, 10th, 15th. I mean, look, I, I like Batman versus Superman. I'm unapologetic about that. I, I enjoy the film, um, particularly Ben Affleck's Batman. It's my favorite portrayal of Batman is in there. So, yeah, happy sixth anniversary to Batman versus Superman. All right, what's next? My Comic Planet. Someone has to protect this family from the man who protects this family. What's that quote? I don't know that. I'm, I'm not, mm. I don't even remotely recognize it. I don't know either. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, that, you stumped us on that one, Cal Planet. All right. What's next? Al Renshaw. I need the three wombats and Ant Man, John. I, it is going to feel weird with them yeah. not being there. They, they're such an integral part of the DNA of it. I mean, cl clear they're not as important as the Michael Douglas character, or anything, but I mean, I am going to miss them. All right. What's next? Andy again. We should make May thirty first National Norman Osborne Day because now we know that character to be the end of May. That's oh, actually pretty good. You, that's actually pretty good. I, that's actually pretty good. Heart. I'll give you that one. That was actually oh, pretty Maggie. good, Andy. All right, what's next? City of Swift. I'll be honest. Morbius's marketing has gotten my attention. Has not gotten my attention at all. I'll still watch it though, thanks to AMC A list. AMC A list for the win. Um, it had the thing. I've loved the marketing. I really have. I'm gonna be so disappointed if this is as bad as people are making it out to be, dude. But yes, Sidious. This is the, this is one of the great uses because AMC A list is not just great for saving you money going to the movies you want to see, but it also means you know what those movies that maybe you're on the borderline of seeing. Hey, I got my A list. Just go see them and go check them out. And that's really one of the strengths of it. All right, what's next? 
Dante, one of three. Hey, Campia campers. I've been through old T, uh, the John Campia show spoiler and theory videos of Infinity War and other MCU and chats up to Endgame. Um, it's so delightful after a handful of years removed from these movies to try and rediscover that hype and excitement for those massive events. Uh, oh, I got it. Um, especially since I haven't seen Ed Game yet. Gotcha, you gullible fools. I've seen it like 50 times. <laughs> Thank you so much for this show and the hard work you all put into it. Every show is a beacon of hope shining on a very sad and unsure existence. Bring on the filthy. All right, thanks a lot for and sending that in. dollars super chat to end, too. So. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much for that, Dante, for supporting our channel on that level. Um, yeah, listen, I it is pretty fun watching every once in a while going back and visiting some of the old spoiler and speculation videos and seeing just how many times we were dead on right, just how many times we were dead on wrong. <laughs> Crash and burn. Some, so how many times we, were, we still have yet to find out certain mysteries that we still don't have solved. It is a lot of fun going back and looking at those from time to time. And that's one of the reasons why I like doing those big open spoiler discussions. I mean, they are exhausting because they take five, six, seven, eight, nine, sometimes 10, 11, 12 hours to do, but still... They are a, a, a big. Do you ever go back, Rob, and, and check out? I've, you know, I have gone stuff? back and uh, a few times and watched things, especially when they are dealing with the Snyder cut. Because <laughs> I, I keep getting raked over the coals. I got raked over the coals. We there was a clip of us that was somebody sent me. Some some irate fan goes, you know, I used to like Robert Ed, but then then to see this and it was a compilation video someone made. And there was a clip of you and I in it talking about there isn't a Snyder Cut. And so, by the way, I did respond. I said, listen, the Snyder Cut existed as a black and white cut on Zack Snyder's laptop that he that he even said. And it cost $70 million for Warner Brothers to finish it. So there was no Snyder Cut. It was unfinished like any other movie that's unfinished. Fight it, Rob. It's, uh, and, 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 no, no, it is. It is The degree of idiocy out there of some people, because like, I remember somebody wrote into me once and said, you said there was no such thing as the Snyder Cut. I said, ah, here's the video clip of the very first time I ever talked about it. And what do I say? And I said in the video, of course, Zack Snyder has an edit. Of course he has that. But I said in the very first time I ever talked about it, is there a completed, ready-to-be-presented version of that movie, a cut of that movie that's ready to be presented right now? And I said, no, that doesn't exist. And even when they announced that they were going to put it on HBO Max, the chairman of Warner Media said, it doesn't exist yet. We got to pay $70 million to bring it right. into being. But we were always very, very clear about that. But then these butthurt little whiny sub-men out there, try to, they'll, they'll take an edit and they'll edit out the parts where we say, of course he, there's an edit of it, of course. But a completed, ready-to-be-viewed version of this film doesn't exist. They edit that out and they only put in the part where we say, it doesn't exist. And of course it didn't exist at but the time. But I did go back when I saw that. I'm like, I want to see where this came from. <laughs> You know, and I track yeah. down and watch the because it's it's especially as someone who's worked in post production professionally for twenty seven years now, it's galling to me when people always throw this clip back in my face. I'm like, I work in post, man. Come on. But, but again, <laughs> that is the hilarious part because when it came out that I was right the whole time, ever since 2017 when I made my first video saying, of course Snyder has an edit. But there is nothing ready to be presented. There is not a completed film. There's not a cut of the film ready to go. That does not exist. It was hilarious for me to watch when it came out that I was right the whole time. 
to see all these people who were saying for years that I was wrong, <laughs> try to rewrite their history to say, oh, no, no, well, we always knew there wasn't a completed thing. <laughs> you, But you were saying it just didn't exist at all. It's like, here's the receipts. <laughs> And and the fact that they had to be so desperate that they had to go and edit it to edit you know, out all the things that proved that I was right, it was crazy. <laughs> you know, I actually said, because we had talked about it on this show, I had said in November of uh, 2019, I said, you know, now with an HBO Max, there's somebody who could pay for a Snyder Cut to get finished. Well, that's what both of you and I said. Yeah. We, both of you and I said, now that HBO Max is here, now it makes I sense. I did a whole show on it on my channel. Little did I know, because we didn't know at the time, in November of 2019 is when actual discussions began with HBO Max and Zack Snyder, and they reached out to people. Could we do this? We didn't know that at the time because that hadn't come out yet. <laughs> but I had started to say, you know, HBO Max could pay for this now. Hey, John, right. you're right about something else, too. What's ended that? up being there was a third trailer. Did you see the trailer for the Blu-ray? They showed Andrew and Toby in it. You could throw up the catching of eggs if you want. I am, it still doesn't count. Man, that one sucked. I was so sure there was going to be a third trailer. I was so sure. No, there is, technically. Well, no, of. way too late. That's, all, that, that's <laughs> old video late. trailer. You know. That's old trailer. I was dead wrong on that one. All right, what's next? All right, from... Sam Fisher, I think. Thank you. The deleted scene, excellent, but Reeves was right. It felt a little redundant for the movie and just makes a long movie even longer. <laughs> no, he's right. It does that. And he, you know what? I'm glad you brought that up, Sam Fisher. It was redundant because there's another scene in the movie almost identical. When Batman goes into the interrogation room with Paul Dano and they have that blah, 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 blah. So to have another one... It, that would have probably felt a little bit redundant. So that's probably another good reason why they took it out. I still just think they should have taken out the last one, too. Anyway, good point, Sam. All right, what's next? All right, from My Comic Planet. Oh, wait. Uh, Devin? Devin. Community is such an underrated sitcom. Is it underrated? I feel like it's... People I feel like everybody rated. who watches it says it's great. Yeah. I, I don't, I've never heard people... Uh, I've only ever heard good things. Yeah, I've never heard anybody talk badly about it, so I'm not quite sure that it's underrated. All right, what's next? All right, from My Comic Planet, one of three... With Poison Ivy getting her own six-issue comic miniseries, writer G. Willow Wilson had this to say about the Poison Ivy-Harley Quinn romance. Oh, there we go. This is a true love story because there's no question that her relationship with Harley... Uh, let me find out mine. Uh, with Har Harley is now the central defining relationship of this character. I cannot wait to read this new comic series in June, and I totally agree with you, John. This relationship they have is the best on TV. Look, I, I'm not just. I know people say, "Oh yeah, the relationship between Harley and Poison Ivy is hot because it's two hot girls." No, I'm telling you, when you watch the Harley Quinn show, that because you know me, I don't like my romantic relationships in comic book movies. Right? Out of the hundred of them that I've watched. Tony and Pepper, uh, Peter and Gwen in uh, Andrew Garfield's Amazing Spider-Man, uh, Druig and Makari mm -hmm. in Eternals, there, and maybe one or two more. That's it. But the relationship between Harley and Poison Ivy in the Harley Quinn show is so, I know this sounds weird to say, wholesome. It's so sweet. It's so natural. Mm -hmm. And I love the fact that they avoid one of the classic movie tropes. Because I hate this movie trope. They do it all the time. Whatever ha What happens every time in a movie or TV show when the hero likes a girl, 
But the girl's with another guy already. What do you already know about that other guy? He's an asshole. <laughs> right. He's always a big jerk. It's just now about the girl realizing that guy's an asshole, right? Yeah. They didn't do that in Harley Quinn. Kite Man's great. <laughs> He's a wonderful guy who truly <laughs> loves Ivy with all of his heart. And then they, then even Harley and and uh, Ivy feel bad about that because he's so great. And he loved, like, just the fact that they had the guts to do that, it is one of the best relationships I've ever seen in any comic book stuff ever. I, Chris, you, you're a big fan of the show. Yeah. What do you think about that relationship? I think they're so sweet. And I love that they're doing it well. Because in the Batman animated series, we all were like, we know what's happening here. We know these two are hooking up. We love them. <laughs> I think they're just so sweet. And it's just so nice to see Harley in a good relationship. She deserves it. Yeah, good for her. Mm -hmm. All right, what's next? So Sam Fisher, I now need this Arkham Asylum show to be about Joker, or at least have him as a side character cameo, because God, that scene was so good. I don't think there's any reality in which Warner Brothers set that up or wanted that so they could do a HBO Max series. Yeah, no. Uh, I, I think we're the, he is going to be in the movies. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be the main villain in number two, but by three, I think he'll definitely be there. Yeah, I mean, well, look, you do like Hannibal Lecter didn't sign the lamps. He escapes. Yeah. He gets out. Yeah, and then you go from there. All right, what's next? City of Swift. Uh, I'm happy with the Joker scene being cut out. Felt a little too Silence of the Lamps for me. Leaving it in would have meant adding more around it or fe it feeling out of place. Again, I, I think, like, even aside from the fact that the movie was already getting to the point, as brilliant as it is, getting the point feeling a little bit too long, that was another five minutes in the film. Um, you're right. I, I mean, there were just narrative reasons why maybe it could have been taken out, and the movie, I think, was better for it. I think the movie was better for it. All right, good point, Sidious. Thanks for bringing that up. All right, what's next? Stubble McShave. With streamers playing a big role in a movie's post-theatrical life, are there incentives for filmmakers to choose a studio that has a big sub-base? I don't think so. I uh, No, because they're going to make their movies based and base their deals on whatever the existing kind of structure is. So I really don't think there's something there for that. Rob, what do you think? No, I, I mean, I, I look, at, at this point, the way the business works, if you can get the money to make a movie from anybody, you you take it. It's so hard. It's yeah. so it's so it really is. I mean, I don't mean that facetiously. It is so hard to get movies financed because the one thing about working for a studio or a streamer is you know for the most part, especially if you're an independent filmmaker, is is the onus is off you to return money to your investors. Because the studio or the streamer, if the streamer buys your movie, apparently or hopefully they will pay you enough where you can pay back your investors. So to work with a studio or a streamer, to have somebody in place that makes sure your film's going to get seen and distributed and to make sure you get money back, I don't care who it is. <laughs> Help right. me out. <laughs> All right, what's next? Jasmine Jones. Fun fact about Turning Red, Jordan Fisher and Ellie Eilish's brother Phineas played a member, uh, played members of Four Town. Oh, I oh, had no cool. idea. I didn't know that either. Uh, well, I'll, I'll be straight up honest with you. I didn't even know Billie Eilish had brothers. So. <laughs> yeah, he writes most of the music with her. Yeah. What's that? He they, writes most of the music with her. They do it together. Really? Yeah. Well, which are Jordan Fisher? Jordan Fisher's a different person. That is uh, Bart Allen on The oh. Flash. Oh, okay. So and then Jordan Billie... Fisher and Phineas Eilish yeah. were members. Okay, that's interesting to know, didn't we? Fin and... it's, it, it, Phineas, his last name isn't Eilish. Okay, whatever. Yeah. yeah. You horn. I'll call him because he's Uhorn. he's he's starting his own career. That guy's incredibly talented. Mm -hmm. But Anne actually has. I didn't know this existed. I, mm -hmm. Apparently, there is a four town album, and mm -hmm. uh, so I, I I think I think because <laughs> Anne was listening to it 
like just all these four town songs. So I guess they compiled it into like a mock album, whatever. Wow, that's cool. Yeah. All right. What's next? All right. Then we've got Josh Henley. Hey, Chris, did you read the Batman prequel novel? I didn't, Josh. I don't think any of us in this room. Yeah, no. No, I I am. I read some excerpts from it. I did too, but I I am curious to check it out. All right, what's next? All right. From Kyle Legal, what are your Oscar predictions for this weekend? Um, you know what? Probably should have done final Oscar predictions, but uh, look, obviously we're not going to take 15 minutes right now to go run through the categories, but Coda's going to win Best Picture. Yeah, it is. Coda's <laughs> going to win Best Picture, and uh, uh, Dune is going to w- win a bunch of technical awards, win a bunch of Oscars as well. All right, what's next? All right, from Cam K. Well, 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 on yesterday's show, you made fun of Noomite. Well, he was going to be a superhero, but you just sent him down the path of villainy. <laughs> is there actually, like, there's a Batmite. Is there actually a Noomite? Is there a Noomite character? So. But don't quote me on that. Yeah, <laughs> you never know with these things. All right. Thanks for that, Cam. All right, what's next? From Gone with the Cheddar, staying at parents and checked out Bel Air. Hooked. Oh, that's great. I, I, it, it, it's a well-done show. It's it's pretty good. I mean, I'm not hooked on it the way Anne's hooked on it, but I got to say, they've they've actually made something pretty watchable there. So I might have to get more into it at some point. All right, what's next? From Devin, also X was a far deeper movie than I anticipated. Again, I walked out of the movie, but I'm thinking I'm going to have to go back and give it a second chance because maybe it only sucks for the first half and then it picks up. <laughs> All right, what's next? Yellow CT. I've been watching The dead, uh, the Dropout, which has taken me on a deep dive of the Theranos theory. There, Theranos. Theranos. There were reports of Adam McKay directing project with Jen Law as Elizabeth Holmes. Is that still happening? I, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know what the actual fuck Yellow CT is talking Uh-oh. about. What, so what? I don't know what the dropout is, and uh, I don't okay. know what the Theranos theory is. Rob, the, help us the, out the, here. the dropout is a is a Hulu series that's based on a podcast about Elizabeth Holmes and the billion dollar fraud she perpetrated with her company Theranos. Oh, and, that's where she was faking the medical research and yes, stuff like that. Okay, yes. I know that. Okay. Amanda Seyfried, 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 Seyfried. she is so, she's got, in my mind, best performance I've seen on TV. She's scarily like Elizabeth Holmes. And Elizabeth Holmes is a fascinating character, but I mean, she has nailed it. I've watched the whole, I watched the whole show, uh, and it basically details this, this incredible fraud. You know, it's an ongoing thing because her fraud case, it's, it's still before the courts. Uh, Dude, incredible. In Incredible. But yes, Adam McKay was going to do, I think it was called Bad Blood was oh. the name of the movie. And it, and J-Lo was going to play uh, Elizabeth Holmes in a movie. I don't think maybe they'll still do it. But after this, I'd be like, do they need another one? Mm. All right. What's next? It's really good. Thanks though. for sending that in, Yellow T, even though I didn't know what we were talking about. <laughs> Thank you for that, Yellow. All right. What's next? Glenmark, one of two. I searched a short film I was in named McTaggart. New Zealand's only dog detective, and was chuffed to find I have an IMDb credit for playing Officer Brooke. Heck yeah, Glenn. All right. <laughs> chuffed, something. by the way, is a great word. Yeah, I thought so it meant nice. something bad. Oh, no. But it doesn't. It means it's you're chuffed about it. Uh, something is rotten in the city of Christchurch. A purebred dog is murdered. Is a dangerous ancient cult of the dog fathers the culprit? Oh, I would watch the shit out of that. <laughs> uh, but you know what? The funny thing is... I'm glad you got your IMDb credit. Yeah. It's it's not difficult to get. I want everybody to know this. Like, it, it, like if you have worked on anything, mm-hmm. you should get and you can get an IMDb credit. I'm pretty sure Ray has an IMDb page. Yeah, I do. You do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. So Ray's got an IMDb page. Does I've, it have you playing Chef Pleasures? Oh, no, not yet. <laughs> it should be in the upcoming 
And the upcoming thing, major motion picture coming from Denis Villeneuve, Chef Pleasure. But I mean, I think everybody in this room has got an IMDb page. So yeah, listen, if you've ever worked on something, take the lead from uh, from Glowmark here, that if you have ever worked on anything, double check it and, and get it on there because you are entitled to have an IMDb entry in there. So I'm glad mm -hmm. you told us about that, Glenn. All right, what's next? From Giorgio? Sorry. Uh, I saw Gemini Man in... HX. High frame rate. Thank you. 120 frames per second. It was amazing, but why aren't there more high frame rate movies? Is it the cost? Will we see more in the future? I hope not. <laughs> um, okay, so give and take whatever you think about Gemini Man as a movie. I yeah, had some things going for yeah. it. I always like seeing Will Smith and whatever. It just doesn't look right. It just doesn't look right. Like, I, I really did feel like I was watching... Uh, a home video, a home movie. I mean, it was incredibly sharp and, and beautiful, but that frame rate, it just does not work. It, it doesn't work for motion picture. There's a visual cue for our brain about the distinction of when we're watching something cinematic, we're not. And it, it really felt like I was watching a TV commercial for the local 7-Eleven. <laughs> it, it just, it doesn't work for me. I remember they tried that with one of the Lord of the Rings movies, one of the Hobbit, oh, the movies, Hobbit movies. Yeah, Hobbit movies. And I remember, and then now like even... Christopher McQuarrie and Tom Cruise are doing PSA announcements saying, hey, the thing that, the thing on your TV that even makes it look like it shot at 120, just turn that off. Mm -hmm. Just turn it off. I know, Rob, what do you think about that? And did you ever see Gemini Man, by the way? Yes. Okay. And, I'll, I'll and I saw The Hobbit in high frame rate, too. Uh, the, the problem is, is that movie making is an art. It's artificial. And part of the artificiality is to make it look different than how we as human beings see the world. And when things are at HF, uh, HFR, the the images that we look at on the screen look more like reality, like how we see things. And that's not movies. Like movies have to be sort of one step removed from us, I think. So it doesn't look like a movie. It looks like what videotape looks like. It looks like you're actually recording something. So... The artificiality that is created, like when you look at The Hobbit, the sets look like they're on stage because they are. We have relied on grain patterns and things like that and the way that we 24 frames a second, persistence of vision, the way the human mind works. We've relied on those things to make movies what they are to us. And HFR changes that into something else. Maybe one day we'll be used to it. But I don't think it works now. All right. What's next? Josh Becker. Hi, crew. Hope you're all doing well. Movie club recommendations. Interstellar and Blade Runner 2049, my favorite sci-fi movies. Thanks. Um, Interstellar's a possibility. Blade Runner 2049 probably is not because nobody watched it. Um, so there's really not a lot of a point. I mean, it was a great movie. It deserved better than it got. But Interstellar could be one that you see come up on the list here at some point. Thanks for the recommendation, Josh. Appreciate that, man. All right. What's next? From Seth Becker. Hey, John, I know you're a tabletop guy. Yep. Ever play HeroScape? I would love a movie franchise out of it. I have never played HeroScape. I'm not familiar is. with it. Like, I have played, whew, I, I can't even add up the number of hours I've been playing. I play tabletop role-playing games. Uh, but most of that time has obviously spent playing Dungeons & Dragons. Um, the, star, the one I played the most is the West End Games D6 version of Star Wars. I still think the greatest role-playing game system of all time. Uh, I'm not a big fan of the modern, of the, today's 
mechanics of the Star Wars role-playing game. I don't like it at all, as a matter of fact. That's why I don't play it. But the original West End Games D6 system of Star Wars is like best game mechanics I've ever played. Another one I really liked, and I should let you guys know, I'm thinking about getting a campaign together for this other system that I used to play. Actually, I got something around here somewhere. But there used to be a game system. It no longer exists, but I have it. Uh, called DC Heroes. It's a superhero role-playing game based in the DC universe, where you can base whatever. But it uses a D10-based system. Hmm. And it is also not quite as good as the West End Games D6 system, but the D10 system is quite good and quite intuitive, and I like it a lot. So uh, those are the ones, I mean, I played a little bit of Rift. I played a little bit of a couple of other games, but those are the ones I played most. I'm not really familiar with HeroQuest, though. All right, what's next? Calvin, Reeves leaving out the Joker scene shows that he knows what he's doing. Two interrogation scenes wouldn't really work. What's the right move? Yeah, and I think there are more, and, and quite frankly, I think he could have done even more editing in the movie, to be honest with you. But yeah, too many directors are too married to the content they shoot. And they, well, it's a great scene, so it should be in the movie. No, it's a great scene, but does it actually make the movie better? And too many directors just think, well, I shot this and it's a great scene. It should just be in. I think more directors can learn that lesson, man. All right. What's next? James Wheeler sending in a $50 super chat. Wow. Wow. Thank you, James, so much for supporting us on that level, man. Happy Friday, everyone. I loved hearing your talk about uh, Grandizer. Grandizer. Grandizer, go. UFO. The funny thing is I always referred to it as Orion Quest, the character name. Oh, that was the character's name, wasn't he? Of course, the, the Grandizer had the big, giant, like, yellow yeah. horns and stuff like that. Is, whatever that, that, the, is right. that the one with the guy in the uh, helicopter flew inside his head? I don't think so. No. That's a different one, right? Well, that Mazinga. That's Mazinga, Mazinga, yeah, that's that's the one I like. He, that's a hover, uh, hover pilator, is that what it's called? Hover pl- I have one of those. I have a die cast. But going back to the discussion we had <laughs> yesterday, there have been a couple of attempts over the years to get a live action G-Force. And I'm not talking about that stupid kids movie with the guinea the pigs. guinea pig movie? Yeah, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> but actual G-Force, Battle of the Planets. I would watch the hell out of that. There is one. There's a Japanese live action version. Is there? That doesn't excite me because there was. there's also a Japanese live action version of Space Battleship Yamato. And that's not so good. It's not so good because they change the Gamelons too much. Uh, I, I mean, but it's the Hollywood version of. I'd be so down for that. I would. Just, I know. All right. What's next? Chef Rigo. What's Chef happening? Rigo! What's happening first? Amazing Spider-Man 3 or the John Campia show coming to eat at Showboy? Oh, <laughs> damn. Bring up a day. Like one of these guys says, oh, that one doesn't work for me. We're trying to figure it out, Chef Rigo. We're trying yeah. to figure it out. I want to go because I love that. Yeah, the food there is really good, too. It's really, really good. For those of you who don't know, Chef Rigo is actually chef at a local restaurant. A really good one of those, uh, what do you Hibachi. call it? Hibachi, Hibachi restaurant where go. they actually make it in front of you. Chef Rigo is the chef. Fantastic. We had a good time, and we're going to go do that soon. All right, what's next? Jerome, <laughs> the power to control dairy products is called lactokinesis, so poop power should be called feces kinesis. Feces kinesis. <laughs> Why do I feel like wow? that's the name? I, again, it just sounds like a character from The Boys. It feels like that. One of the episodes it. is a girl who can control poop. Wait, that wasn't a joke? No, it's a real thing. It's no. Aquafina's it's in the episode. Animated. It's yeah. in the animated, yeah. It's the very anime oh, yeah. one. There's I haven't no, watched like, the anime one yet. Oh, okay, so okay. All right, what's next? From Dante again. Oh, hey, one more. I just pre-ordered that In Search of Tomorrow crowdfunded Blu-ray documentary. It looks incredible. Thoughts? 
I don't know what it's about. Is. It's about the. Uh, I I want to say eighty two. It's about the eighties eighties science fiction movie. That's not Scott's project, is it? No, it's a different one. Okay, because our friend Scott Mance is. I don't know what progress he's been making right now. He's I, working I, with Mark Altman and uh, Roger Lay Jr. Yeah, so our buddy Scott Mance, who has been on the show before, he's been working on a documentary about nineteen eighty two, what they consider to be the greatest year in movie history, Greek year ever, and all the different things. So, uh, so that's two documentaries being made about the same thing. Interesting. All right. Well, what's next? My Comic Planet again. James Gunn revealed that we will see a lot more DCEU stars in the second season of Peacemaker. So, who do you think we could see? I mean, he got Jason Momoa and Ezra Miller in it. I mean, the question is, who couldn't he get? I mean, maybe we won't see one. I think he's going to introduce more characters that we've never seen portrayed on screen before. Oh, sure. But he's specifically saying that he's pointed out that we're going to see a lot more of, I Harley. think, the DCU character. Like, not yeah. DC characters, but DCEU characters. Oh, oh, yeah. well, okay. So, I, I, sh- sh- I mean, anybody's on the table, right? Shazam could pop up. and mm-hmm. I mean, Shazam would be super fun. Uh, with John Cena's Peacemaker, that could actually be pretty fun. Idris Alba. Who's he in the DCU? Um, he's in the second Suicide he's, Squad. He's in Suicide Squad. Uh, the, uh, that, not oh, that. Yeah, of course. What am I thinking? Yeah. I forgot what the character's name. I forgot the character's name. But the not, not, not dead shot. Not dead shot. Not yeah. dead shot. <laughs> but, you know, really dead shot. <laughs> I mean, the, it's the exact same guy in many ways. All right, what's next? All right, from John Redcorn, one of two. I think the success of No Way Home made Morbius a liability, and they knew it was bad. I won't be surprised if they change direction of Sonyverse if they. Where are you, John? I'm scrolling for you. Right there. Okay, they don't scrap it entirely if Morbius fails. Um, what is it he's saying? I won't be surprised if they change direction of the Sonyverse if they... No, 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 no. See, that's what people who don't know what they're doing would do. Right? Venom was a huge success for them. Venom 2 was a big success for them. People who don't know what they're doing would go, oh, one thing went wrong? Let's change everything. That's exactly what went wrong with Warner Brothers handling of DC years ago. That's exactly what went wrong with them. Was they had a plan... And the moment they hit their first road bump, they were like, change everything. Oh, my God, change everything. And then something else would happen. Oh, change everything. Like, that's not, if you're semi-intelligent, that's not what you do. Now, if they put out Morbius and it fails, and they put out Craven and it fails, well, now you got two back-to-back. And then you start evaluating maybe where you're going, but you don't upheave and change everything when you hit one bump in the road. Is there a third movie? Uh, oh, Madam Web. They're going to make a Madam Web movie. Did you know? Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> and there's more beyond that. And there's more beyond that. So, no, it, it, it honestly, it doesn't matter what happens. Mor- Morbius could make half a million dollars at the movie theater and be the first zero-rated movie on Rotten Tomatoes uh, be- since Joe Dirt, maybe. Um, and it, Joe Dirt rated I, zero? I think it has a zero. I could be wrong <laughs> about that. It might, might be another one. But... It, it, it could be a zero run to it, and it still should not change a single thing about well, the Well, especially road if it makes $500 million, it's a win. Well, yeah, but it ain't going to make $500 million. No. We know that. I mean, I'll be lucky if it makes $5 million. But, <laughs> it, it, oh. but even if it does, it shouldn't change one little thing about their plan. It just means that the director they got and the screenwriters they got here in this movie, they, this movie didn't work. Guess what? The MCU didn't go change everything when Hawkeye sucked. <laughs> 
So, I mean, you keep moving forward. Do you remember that story we did where Morbius first got delayed and they were saying it was because of uh, the pandemic and also they didn't want to take away from the No Way Home? Like, remember that? Do you remember that story? I don't. Oh, okay. But we do a lot of stories. <laughs> I mean, so maybe that's not a surprise I don't remember one. All right, what's next? Arado. Hey, John and crew, just writing in to show support and wish my brother Eduardo a happy early birthday for tomorrow. Happy early birthday. Yeah. Happy birthday. We're happy birthday, huge, Eduardo. We're both huge fans of the show and can't wait for Sonic 2. I got to tell you, I, I watched, when we went to go see The Lost City yesterday, they they played the Sonic 2 trailer again. <gasps> yeah. I got to say, I'm, I'm, okay, I'm getting pretty excited for it. I mean, okay. I've been looking forward to it because I like the first one, but... I got to say, I'm actually getting pretty excited. So happy birthday to Eduardo. May you have a fantastic birthday tomorrow and a fantastic year ahead of you, my friend. Thanks for writing that in, Gerardo. And yes, I am also very excited for Sonic 2. All right, what's next? I'm in a band 23. <laughs> if you could show Bob Kane and Bill Finger a Batman movie today, would it be Batman Begins or The Batman? Ooh, that's a good question. The reality is it's, it's very different from The Batman. Both are very different from The Batman they, they had created. I would show them the Batman. Yeah, me too. I would too. Because it's more along the lines. It has more of that gothic yeah. feel of that early, the early Batman. I think, I yeah. I think if you showed them, back, especially back in the day. Yeah. Like if after the first issue of like Detective came out or something, or if you, sh can you imagine what they would have thought if you showed them a Batman movie right after the first? Oh my God. That would have been amazing. And by the way, the early Batman he, uh, you know, he loved the dark cowl. He loved swinging through the city, and he loved him some murder. That early Batman, he loved. I remember watching, reading this one, like one of the early things where he literally like got a crook, and then swung from his back grappling hook from between two buildings, and then would just drop the criminal. <laughs> like just, my guy, like, it was like woo. It was a different time, John. It was a different time. He loved him some murder. All right, what's next? Ryan Lawner, one of two, just saw Godfather on the big screen. Nice. What really stood out was how much the close-up shots pop. Michael Tang, Alingfredo, don't ever take sides. Against the against family. the family again hits a lot harder when his face is suddenly ten feet tall. Yeah. And of course, seeing all the detail in Luca Brasi's death. Oh yeah, like oh. Th that scene. Oh my God, the de Luca's death in that scene. Yeah, brutal. Is, oh my God, it's so good. But again, he's right. Like the cinematography of The Godfather, the the the, the angle choices, the framing choices, it tells the story. And you're right. Like it's over Fredo's shoulder. Close up on, and a little bit of Michael's face is hidden too. He says, "Don't ever take sides against the family again." It's like, oh, and you're right. It would have come across completely different had it been kind of a semi-wide shot, and yeah, blah blah. It wouldn't have worked as well. The creative choices in that were so good. I'm glad you recognize that, Ryan. All right, what's next? Spark the producer. I watched Halo. It was good, but to me, the first 15 minutes looked like I was watching a cutscene movie because of how it was stylized. Bring on the filthy. I I don't disagree. And I say that as somebody who quite liked the first episode, but that first few minutes, like before they're off wandering off and come across the, the, um, uh, what's the name of the group again? The, the, the aliens, they're called the covenant. Oh uh, yeah. The covenant. When they, come across, when they come across the covenant ship and whatever before that, you're right. It felt like a cutscene. It really did. But man, I tell you, once that action started kicking in, it felt pretty brutal. And, uh, I, yeah, I, I like that first episode. All right. What's next? 
Jasmine Jones. So just realized that Sean Levy directed the 2000 version of Cheaper by the Dozen and Big Fat Liar, which I loved watching growing up. And I enjoyed the Adam Project and Free Guy. Wait, Sean Levy directed that? Oh, wait, so yeah, I knew that. I knew that. Um, yes, and I loved, loved, loved Free Guy. As a matter of fact, Rob, you and I were talking about this article that you had sent me earlier that... Like the biggest things right now on streaming are Encanto and Free Guy with over a billion streamed minutes, minutes. right? A billion and minutes. Medea is also up there too in Netflix. But I want to point out something about the fact that the biggest things on streaming right now, the biggest things on streaming are what? Movies that played theatrically first and then went to streaming. They're the biggest things on streaming. I, I mean, you want. We've, been, we've always said that. Yeah, you want your things to really pop and succeed on streaming. Put them in theaters first. It will increase their popularity on streaming. You know uh, what? I'm still looking forward to from Sean Levy, the Edge of Tomorrow too. Did Sh Sean Levy didn't do Edge of Tomorrow? No, didn't he, he didn't do, do, Edge do that. Tomorrow? No, that was Doug Lyman. Oh, I'm Lyman, sorry. The guy who also did. Jump. I'm sorry. Let's not, let's next. I, yes. I love that movie. Oh God, yeah. Edge so of Tomorrow. good. They look. Remember, they uh, Lyman and Cruz. We're ready to go on Edge of Tomorrow 2, and Cruz called um, Emily, Emily Blunt, Blunt. Mm -hmm. and Emily Blunt goes, I just committed to doing Mary Poppins. Oh, well, how unfortunate that was. She was great. She was great. Movie not so good. But they were ready to go, and she goes, I've, that five months block is already blocked off for me. I'm doing Mary Poppins. And and they've never been able to get it back together again since. You want to hear something crazy about this? I don't know why this popped into my head. So my favorite, one of my favorite episodes of the Graham Norton show, I love the Graham Norton show, love it, is the Edge of Tomorrow episode with Tom Cruise and Emily Blunt. And who's also on it is Seth MacFarlane and Charlize Theron for Once Upon a Time I Died in the West or whatever that movie was called. The four of them together promoting those two movies. I don't know why. Just popped <laughs> into my head. That episode promoting Edge Tomorrow is one of my favorite Graham Norton episodes. There you go. All right. Let's keep going on here. Next up, we've got uh, Mars Audio who writes, I just finished watching Licorice Pizza. Enjoyed most of it. My favorite movie of all time is Punch Drunk Love. Um, what's uh, what's what do you all feel about the film? I like Punch Drunk Love. I do too. I'm a huge. I mean, it's not my favorite Adam Sandler film by any stretch. Or but, Paul Thomas Anderson. Or Paul Thomas Anderson film, but it's a really good film. It's really probably good film. one that a lot of people sleep on. As a matter of fact, what do you think of it? I, I think it's a good film too. And you know what? I thought uh, his performance. That was the first time I really started looking at Adam Sandler differently. You know, by the time you get to Uncut Gems, it's like, wow, this guy. This guy. I don't think people think of him. I would love to see him play against type uh, in some movie where he plays a real dramatic role because I think he's a much better actor than people give him credit well, for. Well, you know the movie, I, I don't know if you know this, but the movie I always go to is, because like, Punch Drunk is definitely a great example. I know what you're going to say. Rain Over Me. Yeah. If you guys haven't seen Rain Over Me, that's the movie to me that made me go, why is Adam Sandler, because look, Adam Sandler's clearly, comedy's no longer his thing. I know he still makes them, and Netflix will still pay him big money for them, but they're not good. Drama. Dude, when I saw him in Rain Over Me, I thought, this is a, here's a guy who absolutely has Oscar potential. And, and he has so natural gifts. And then in Uncut Gems, which I don't think is the greatest movie, to be honest with you. No, but 
His performance in that ferocious. though was so good. Yeah. So good. But uh, yeah, Punch Drunk is definitely one of the ones that gave us that early look that uh, that could be something that Adam Sandler does. All right. Let's now move on to Cam K. What do we got next here? New might. So, the John Campia crew, you didn't know it at the time, but you just created your biggest adversary yet. Yes, it is I, New Might, the your funny, new arch enemy. The funny thing is, New Might actually sounds like it could be an actual hero's name in, like, maybe My Hero Academia. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I, I gave up on My Hero Academia after the oh, first really? season. I couldn't take it anymore. Oh. I just couldn't take it anymore. But I loved All Might. I love and the whole mythology mm -hmm. of one for all and all for one. The two, like I love that. You know why I ultimately gave up on it? Mm -hmm. What's the main the main character's name again? Uh, it's to Mister Deku. It was Deku. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Deku, Deku, yeah. Deku. That was it. Yeah. But what's the hero? That, Deku was his hero name. That's right. Mm -hmm. I couldn't take that character anymore. <laughs> oh really? I couldn't take it. <laughs> Because every time the character spoke, it was speaking in loud crying. Like, every time. And I just couldn't... Like, I mean, that's I just, a lot of anime dudes. I, I, yeah. It was yeah. like grating nails across a chalkboard in uh -huh. my ears. Like, even if he's just talking about how he wants a tuna sandwich for lunch, it would be huge face, like the space, face expand, the little drops, drop of waters denoting, uh, like, uh, anxiety or whatever. I go, oh my God, I like every time he would talk it would be that and it was like yeah. while I dig this world and god I love the All Might character I would get I would get an All Might hot toy I would get an All Might 1-6 I just couldn't take it anymore I just couldn't do it <laughs> Like, I don't, did you watch, do you keep up with, did you keep I up with My Hero Academia? I am just now watching it. I was not, like, there when it first started happening. Um, but I had so many people recommend it to me that I started watching. And I've enjoyed it so far. I think it's cute. Uh, oh, well. Okay, <laughs> what's next? All right, from Willie. Hello, all. Am I crazy for thinking Sterling K. Brown would make a good Black Panther? Thanks for all that you do and bring on the filthy. He's already in the film. He's already in the movie. He's yeah. his uncle. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, look. X actor in X role. As long as the actor is a good, talented actor, sure. Sterling K. Brown is a multi-time Emmy Award-winning actor. Fantastic in This Is Us, which is in its final season right now. Um, so, yes, it, going back in time, could he have made a good choice? Well, he's a fantastic actor, so yes. But I, I would say the same thing about any fantastic actor. But again, he's already Black Panther's uncle, so you can take that off. the. And he's dead. He's very dead. All right, what's next? from josh becker what's your most anticipated movie of april i can't remember what's coming out in april sonic oh, sonic. oh yeah so morbius nope. now well i i listen i haven't seen it yet I, i'd be lying to say it's not morbius it's, it's been morbius and it's still your most anticipated with everything people have said with everything that people say wow you're a true believer john i respect it Willfully naive. I don't know. One of the two. Uh, but I am very much looking forward to Sonic. What else? We're going to have to do next week. We're going to have to do our April movie preview. Isn't the Northman coming out too? Oh, take it all back. Northman. Northman's, aside from uh, now that Batman is in our rearview mirror, the Northman is my number one most anticipated movie of the year. Not just. Yes, yes. So thank you, Ray. Yes. I need Northman. another trailer. Just one more. I, I wouldn't mind it. I wouldn't Dude, mind it. It's all about April 5th for me. Moon Knight. The 4K oh director's, rest, director's oh, edition Star restoration. Star Trek the Movies picture. that are actually opening. It's opening in May. 
theatrically? <laughs> That's not the question. <laughs> Movies that are opening in April, what's your most anticipated one? Well, if the North, I didn't know the North Moon was coming out in April, but that is absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's like you said, it's one of the highlights of the year. But listen, between, regardless of what everybody else is saying, I haven't seen it yet. So yeah, Morbius, you got Sonic, mm-hmm. you got the Northman. Mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to Fantastic Beasts 3. I've liked everything I've seen in that one so far. Uh, so there's a couple of really good looking. And I don't know when, I know we talked about the trailer, but Alex Garland's new movie, just because I'm a huge Alex. Men. Does Men think, open yeah. in April? I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I have to look that up. But I'm really worst trailers of the year. I'm so far, really though. excited just because I love him. Yeah. I love his work. Yeah, that makes so. sense. All right, what's next? Blake sixty two. This Joker scene was a masterful move by WB. They just created new hype for a movie that's been out of out for weeks. I want that Arkham show like today. I mean, that is true. They have reintroduced the Batman, which is now it's going its fourth weekend. It's been out for over a month. They just reintroduced the Batman into the into the conversation again. So now we're all talking about the Batman again. So you're right. That was a very, very good move on their part, part, Blake. That's a good observation, man. All right, what's next? Zelda Master 702 got my 4K box set of the Godfather trilogy yesterday with the new remasters and three different versions of part three. Great way to celebrate 50 years. Ooh. I'm going to guess you have this, Rob, of course. I cannot tell a lie. I got the deluxe box set that comes with the three art prints. Ooh. Mm. See, okay, that is the one thing that still intrigues me about physical media are the packages, like the the collections, right? Because I have the Battlestar Galactica complete series collection with the box of Cylon and all that kind of stuff. That's a great bit. That's a great, great collection. So things like that would still interest me, even though I don't buy physical media. It's nice. I mean, it's, it's it's actually, it's about this big. And it says Godfather 50 on it. So it, you, it's a great display piece as well. Just the box. All right. What's next? Duck Cookie. Saw, <laughs> saw everything everywhere last night and really enjoyed it. Felt like it had the vibes of man seeking woman. And I enjoy seeing Stephanie uh, Hugh in more stuff. Husu in more stuff. Uh, also, people were singing along to that AMC ad with What's Her Face. Oh, my God. Even heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Dude, that's the line of the year. When, when we go back and look at, or maybe that was 2021, but come on, that line. I, I just, every time, every damn time, like, please get rid of that stupid thing. It's just wasting more time when we could be watching the movie. Anyway, um, I am actually, after today's show is done, Ann and I are going out to go see everything everywhere all at once tomorrow. That's another one that I'm really anticipating this year. Uh, you guys might be wondering, wait a minute, it's not in a theater near me. It's in limited release starting today, I believe. Then it goes more wide in a week or two, so we'll be playing closer to you, but I am so excited to watch this one. By the way, Duck Cookie sent in like a $20 super chat to be supported. Thank Duck you, Cookie. Duck, for that. Um, I'm stoked for it. I got even more excited when I realized the guy playing Michelle Yeoh's husband is uh, uh, short round from Indiana Jones. Like I couldn't believe that when I saw that. And then, of course, the girl who plays Michelle Yeoh's daughter is the best friend girl from Shang-Chi, uh, who's telling them that they need to grow up and get serious about their lives. So I'm like, woo! <laughs> I mean, it's just all these things coming together all at once. Anyway, so I will tell you guys uh, what I think about everything everywhere all at once once we get back to the show on Monday. All right, thanks again for that, Duck. All right, what's next? CJ Rebirth. Hey, everyone. Thank you for what you all do here. Just wanted to know if any of you ever went on the Terminator ride at Universal Studios, because for me, that's where the series ends. 
Yeah. They don't have that. That's not in the one in Los Angeles. No, it, it was. Was. It, it was. It was a long time ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, yeah, so I'm a, and, and an Iranian pass holders because I love that park. I really do. It's a lot of fun. I go on the studio tour every time. I love the studio tour. Every time I go on it. Um, but I've not seen it. The Transformers one, though, is pretty fun. Yeah. Even though I get a little bit of motion sickness doing it. But I we'll, we'll do the Transformers one every time. Do you guys got a favorite one at Universal, if you've been there? I used to like Back yeah. to the Future. But that's the gone. That's gone now, too. too right? I love the mummy. The mummy one. Yeah. I, I'll tell you what. I can't do the mummy one. Like, I get... I get. I did it once. I get mm-hmm. serious motion oh, stuff really? on that. Yeah, oh. I'm like, okay, wow. I can't do and that. King Kong. I like King Kong. They don't have the King Kong one there anymore. I know. It's part of the studio tour now, but the studio, the King Kong part of the studio tour is so fun. much fun. It's so much fun. And they've got also on the studio tour, there's the Fast and the Furious yeah. part of it. Oh, God. I've never been on that. Is that any good? On the, the studio, studio tour? tour? Yeah, the, oh, the Fast delightful. and Furious thing. Well, no, this all, no, no I've been on the studio tour, but I mean the Fast and Furious it's ride. It's all part of the studio tour. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And it's it's great. And it's it's also fond memories because you see Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Vin Diesel actually talking to each other. Oh, yeah. Which doesn't happen anymore, but they're in it together anyway. All right, what's next? All right, for from uh, Blake62. Or is it uh, Jordan Ellis? Oh, I will turn to yours. The Batman scene was cool. Glad it was cut. Made Batman and Riddler's character development better than having Joker figure it out within seconds. LOL. Again, that's the one thing, one of the things I didn't like about that scene at all. It was poorly done. Like, literally, Joker opened the folder, three seconds. Well, this guy's this, 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 and this. And you're feeling this about this. It's like, okay, that was a little too easy. Uh, so that I think that was one of the good reasons to take that out, Jordan. I agree with you. All right, what's next? Ryan, hi, I watched Halo yesterday. Everything was really good for a first episode. Can't wait for the next episode. Again, I, I speaking as a non-Halo game player, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was good. Um, it's going to be interesting to see where it goes. Definitely. Because episode two, I think, is quite interesting. Ray and I saw the first two episodes. I think episode two is very interesting, but now it's all about where does episode three and four go? Because I, that's what I think episode three and four was, was going to make and break the series. What do you think? Yeah, I, I completely agree, especially the way episode two left it off as. Right. You're like, this is where the, the story. Yeah, really, yeah, this is where it starts. Really right? unfolds. Yeah. This whole thing, what they're trying to do. Yeah, yeah it's going to be interesting. All right. What's next? Uh, right from Alex, Avatar 2 will be the biggest box office of the year because of the you-have-to-see-it-in-3D branding that was set up within the first one. Um, no, that won't be why. I really don't think a whole shit ton of people care about what the 3D is. I'll just be honest with you. I still believe, because Rob, you and I said Avatar 2 will be the biggest box office film of the year. Now, for those of you going, well, oh, that Spider-Man. Spider-Man is a 2021 film. Are you talking to Daffy Duck? <laughs> Spider-Man, Spider-Man is a 2021 film. So, um, I still think so. But, as we talked a little bit about yesterday, <gasps> Doctor Strange might have something to say about what the number one box office film of the year is going to be. Yeah, I- I'm still going to say Avatar. But Doctor Strange is going to put up a much bigger fight for that title than I initially thought. What do you think at this point? I agree. I mean, look, you can't. uh, The thing about Avatar that people forget is our film community. Sometimes you have to look outside that bubble. And Avatar was a was a phenomenon across generations. 
everybody went and saw that movie. And I mean, people remember there were stories. Look it up, man. People were like having Pandora withdrawals where I want to go live there. People suffered from depression because they couldn't go. Yeah. I mean, it was weird. People were weird about about Avatar. When it comes back, I think people are going to get weird about it again, especially in the way with the way the world has been. All right. What's next? All right, from Darth Grant. Can't wait for Moon Knight. Just the, days away now. The trailer showed the jackal chasing him over the rooftops, and that was uh, midair turn and punch. And that midair turn and punch was awesome. There's, I can't be, you know what, Rob? I, I haven't talked to you about this, but let me put it out there. I really think for the first one, I, I think you should be here with me and Ray. I think you, sh- you should come out and, and watch. And, and that's a big thing because that's midnight. I mean, that's that's, but I'm that's closer. I'll be closer to you then. Oh, yeah, you are going to be closer by that point. There's not going to be any traffic that time of night. Just think about it. I, I think you should be here watching the first episode with us. I think I think that'd be, be a good Because me, Ray, and Ryan, like, we do game day, right? Like, where Ray usually will even grill up some food. Like, we did it for The Mandalorian. We do it for... for is that Wednesday or Thursday night? It'll be Tuesday night. Oh, it what, is? For, for Moon Knight? Yeah. It's this it, coming Tuesday. Oh, okay. I thought it was on Thursdays for no, some it reason. Op- no, all, all the Disney shows open on Wednesday. Which is for us in Los Angeles means Tuesday at midnight. Oh, so it's Halo on. Th- okay, so it's Halo on Thursday. Is it Halo? Th- yeah. Or Wednesday? Because I know midnight? one was after the other. I just forgot what order. Got it. Got back to back nights going on there. Woo! It's game week. Game week. So excited. All right. What's next? All right. From Jerome again. The supervillain name for someone with feces kinesis would be Dead, dead Silence or Defecator. <laughs> <laughs> The Defecator. Defecator. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's a pretty good name, though. It's yeah. pretty good name, but I, I want to bleach it out of my he's, mind right he's now. He's going to appear at WrestleMania this year. The Defecator. <laughs> the Dead Silence. That's pretty good, too. All right, what's next? Abel, hey, John, I know that you are not a big soccer fan, but how do you feel about Italy being out of the World Cup for a second time in a row? They do qualify for the World Cup 2026. It would be 12 years. Couldn't believe it when I read that yesterday. Italy just won the Euro. They just won Euro. How do they not automatically qualify for the World Cup having just won Euro? The second biggest soccer tournament in the world. And they win that. I, I, I Look, I, I'm not a soccer fan, but I will watch the World Cup. The World Cup's great fun. Yes, but I didn't watch the last one because Italy wasn't there. And, and, and maybe I would have watched it if either Canada or the U.S. were, but I don't think Canada or the U.S. were in the last <laughs> no. one either. No. And so... I don't think Canada is going to make it this time either. But I, how do you? Oh, Forza Italia! I, I just, mm, it's it bothered me. I was really bummed to see that Italy did not make it again. All right, guys, and thank you for that, Chris. Uh, before we get into finishing off uh, today's episode, we got one more sponsor to thank, and that are the good folks who fill our bellies with stuff that is delicious and good and convenient and unique. The folks at HelloFresh. Hey guys, we want to take a moment and thank a sponsor of today's video, HelloFresh. So guys, look, my wife Anne and I were both working professionals, so we know how tricky, difficult, and time-consuming it can be to try to eat properly and prepare your own meals at home. And that's why, like over a year ago, we started using HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm-fresh, pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. I mean, you skip the trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and probably most importantly, affordable. HelloFresh offers the flexibility you need to easily customize your orders online or right in the app. Easily change your delivery day, food preferences, and plan size, or skip a week whenever you need to. 
HelloFresh is 72% cheaper than a restaurant meal of the exact same quality. And you can save on average over $65 a month when you order HelloFresh instead of going grocery shopping. So guys, I'm telling you, whether you are single or have a family, you are going to love HelloFresh. So go to HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use the promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. That's again, HelloFresh.com slash Campia16 and use that promo code Campia16 for up to 16 free meals and three free gifts. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And thank you to HelloFresh for being a sponsor of today's episode of the John Campia Show. All right. Let's finish off all the questions have come in now, guys. Let's get this thing home. What do we got next? Cam K again. New might. Oh, wait you... a second. Or oh. is it uh, oh. Eric McRareair? Oh, Eric McRareair. <laughs> hey, John and crew. Question for Rob. Are you ever going to record a video showing your entire physical media action figure collection? Yes. Uh, for those of you who don't know, I am currently in the process of moving. But when I move, people have been asking me this and asking me this. I've Maja cases that are not built. I've got figures that are boxed. It's all coming out. The physical media collection will all be, it'll all be available. And I'm going to make videos and show because people want to see it. All right. What's next? Now, Cam K. Noonmite. You called my name a bad joke. Really? More <laughs> Noonmite? Okay. <laughs> what do you call a rotten egg? A bad yolk. <laughs> yes. Feel the cringe of a real bad joke. <laughs> no. No, no, <laughs> that was bad. well done, though. I got to give Thank it up you. for you. I bad. Have to commit. Bad cam cake. Yeah, bad. <laughs> All right, what's next? Al Renshaw, seeing Lost City tonight. Looks great and excited. Okay, I'm going to tell you, it's not great. Like, it's not like uh, some comedies have a great story and great narrative that runs through. It does not. But it is fun and funny and charming, and you'll be smiling. I think you're going to have a good time. Tonight. Do you have a box office prediction for the weekend? 26. Oh. I can say 26 minutes. That's respectable. I think it'll come in number one at the box office because, you know, Batman, if it drops, you know, 30, 40%, it'll come in under that. So I think it'll be number one at the box office. 26, 27. We'll see. All right. What's next? All right. CDXN2197 just sent it in as a support. Thank you, man. Nice. Suthius, one of three. Five minutes into Halo, I said out loud, okay, this some cheap Nickelodeon Power Rangers looking shit. Oh, Ray, I'm sorry. Oh, well, look, no, a bunch of silly kids. Holy shit, what the heck is happening? <laughs> Bodies blowing apart out of nowhere. Didn't know Paramount Plus could do that. Other than that, it was all right. Not digging some of the camera work, though. Yeah, and I think that goes back to what we were saying a little bit earlier. Right? Like, the first five minutes, you're right, like, as they're all sitting in the bar, oh, if they send Spartans, <laughs> they're invincible. It's like, really? This is so cheap. And then the kids running, oh, and I'm like, oh my God, this is going to focus on kids. And blah. And then all of a sudden, oh my God, they just blew that guy's leg off. Like it, then it gets pretty nutty pretty quick. Yeah, the headshots were uh, quite a surprise. Like up close. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> like it, it was, they, yeah, I, I, it was a level of brutality that I wasn't expecting in a Paramount Plus show, but I was kind of glad that they did. I did find one problem. I don't know if I could, talk about it yet but it was in the trailer you know how uh, master chief takes the rail gun right yeah and starts killing all the the covenant oh. how come when the the dad was shooting the rail gun it didn't do anything to them that's the one he part didn't i didn't shot off oh he didn't no the dad didn't get a shot oh off. oh yeah because the truck yeah, lit yeah, yeah. oh sorry man yeah no, no, but good <laughs> i need more sleep dude <laughs> <laughs> i'm so wrong today about everything 
All right. What's Not next? Today. <laughs> All right. Next just should be kidding, Adrian Bonds. Yes, there we go. Hi, gang. Since Pharrell was originally tapped years ago to executive produce and score Voltron, how do you feel about him scoring it? I love Pharrell. I think it'd be great. Yeah. Is be he? Fun. Wait, did they say he was scoring it? I don't know. Oh, all right. Okay. But I, just love, I, mean, Look, I just love Pharrell's work. Again, I still don't even think, I, I honestly don't even know that this movie's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I hope it does, and I hope they change directors. Dude, now I just want the, now I'm, uh, it's the Peyton Reed thing you put in my head. I No, that was Chris. Was that Chris doing yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. Okay, then you did it, Chris. Yeah. I, I you love You look in my head a lot more than you Peyton think. Oh. <laughs> Love the idea of Peyton Reed. I think that's a nice thing to say, right? <laughs> oh, oh, I mean that in a purely admirational yeah, way. Nothing yeah. left. The, no, 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 no. All right, no, what's next? Come on now. Gosh. Um, from, I have to watch my P's and Q's. From Sebastian Gonzalez, one of two. Love how BK's Joker seems relatively new, much like Robert Pattinson's Batman. Like a freshly scarred, horrific, almost angsty, angsty psychopath. Um... I Didn't get a second buddy, one sorry. in in time. You gotta be a little bit faster with these. Yeah. I but, agree with our viewer though. No, no, he's he's absolutely right. It's yeah. like this is also a Joker that is early in whatever his career is, right? Like, and that was one of the big things. Like when people were going, "Man, they should cross over Joaquin Phoenix's Joker with this Batman." First of all, no, they shouldn't. Second of all, it would be Batman versus a 65 to 70 year old Joker. <laughs> and that just wouldn't make sense. This is you're getting them both on the ground level. If they were, we're going to see them grow and develop. Why you got to be ageist. I'm not. I'm just saying that doesn't really work. I could see an old mastermind going ahead. No, I can't. <laughs> I you're can't absolutely right. Beat, Batman beating on a 869 yeah, dude, year old you're guy. You're totally right. It wouldn't work. <laughs> I mean, that was it, it just it. it I, I got to say. I did think that the fusion of the Heath Ledger Joker with the, the scarry war painted, and yet it was something new. It was a new take on the Joker that yeah. I would like to see more of. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. All right, what's next? From Samir, I popped my Hot Toys cherry, Rob. Pre-ordered the Batman Six Scale Collector's Edition. Also got the Battle of Endor, the Little Rebel set by Kotobukiya? Kotobukiya, yeah. Okay. Kotobukiya. Uh, love those Ewoks. I... Really like the Kotobukiya stuff. I've, I've, I've actually got a few things of Kotobukiya. Um, they are not six scale stuff. No, but it's great. But it's reasonably priced. Mm -hmm. uh, they're, what would you call them? Eighth scale? Yeah, I think so. Uh, eight, maybe that. Maybe it's, eighth it's scale, a, maybe a little bit smaller. But they've always done really, really uh, good work. They do good stuff, and it's not. it doesn't break the bank to get them. So I've got a few of their The only their thing that I feel bad about, anybody who's buying their first Hot Toy figure, and it's the Robert Pattinson Batman, which is arguably great, mm -hmm. they're not going to get it till like September of 2023. That's I hope people so realize long. that. All right, what's next? From Connor, they should hold off on Joker in Batman sequel. That scene was forced. Title idea, The Bat and the Cat. I'm not interested in a Bat and the Cat movie. I'll just tell you, I'm very interested in the Catwoman showing back up. Um, that The scene didn't... Well, look, the scene itself, I already explained that I think I had problems with it and why they need to take it out, but it showed what the potential was. And so I don't think there's any need. I mean, I do think they're going to hold off probably till a third film, but I don't think there's any need to hold off. I think you could absolutely go into the Batman 2 and focus on Joker. I think you totally could, and it would work absolutely right as long as you write it well, because I think that scene, you felt that tension. You get the idea of the character. There are good reasons that it was taken out of the film, 
but I think it shows you what they could do with their own film. So I think they really should move forward with that, to be honest with you. But we'll see. All right. Thanks a lot for that, Connor. What's next? My Comic Planet, one of two. Uh-oh, John. The Morbius first reactions are really bad. And many calling the post credit scene one of the worst of all time. <laughs> Normally, social media reactions are generally positive. So for them to be this negative is a bad omen. Yikes. It, it, I'm not going to lie. It's not good. No. It's not good. I'm... And I've had very high hopes for this movie, man. And and you're right, like you, especially when when it's like early fan events, because the fans are like pretty excited about seeing an early thing, and like to come out of that going, whoa, that kind of sucked. I mean, that's that's not good. So we'll see how I feel about it going into it. My comic plan. I remain hopeful, but I'd be lying if I didn't tell you my hopes were <laughs> dashed a little bit. We'll, we'll see. We'll see once I get a chance to see it. All right. From Bird Hop. Carnival was the best when it was new. Clancy Brown steals the show. Still hopeful for a proper ending. Rob? A proper ending. I mean, I think one of the most disappointments, the biggest disappointments I ever had was when they canceled that show before its time. Because it is so good. And it was a slow burn, but it was the milieu. I, you know, it was a really good show. And okay. I do recommend it. I mean, even though everyone's like, well, Rob, people have been people have actually been hammering me for recommending a show that kind of leaves you in such a lurch but it's still really good like yeah philosophically i don't i don't know what to say other than i really love the show i can't not recommend it because it just because how it ends doesn't mean that the episodes you watch weren't great and engaging yeah like you know rome hbo's rome kind of also and you know it's too expensive yeah that's what i was going to ask was that that hbo show yes yes okay yeah what carnival yeah it, that took place yeah. in the. I, whenever somebody brings it up, though, I my mind instantly goes to the Orlando Bloom, uh, Carnival Row. Oh, that's yeah. what I instantly think of. Which I, you know, I actually liked. That. I Did you guys? It. I it liked it. Too. Have they it's done? Supposed to come two? back, right? They I haven't thought do- so. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if they've done. Anything. I don't know if they've done, but I know Anne loved the first that, season. That so. series was actually based on a spec screenplay by a guy named the guys who wrote Pacific Rim. Travis Beecham. Oh, I didn't know it was based yeah, on it was written by It was written by Ch- Travis Beecham. That script was floating around Hollywood for 20 years as like one of the greatest unproduced scripts in Hollywood. Guillermo del Toro at one point was going to direct it. And I was so happy when they... I mean, I didn't think it was quite as good as I wanted it to be, but it's still really yeah. good. And liked it a lot. All right, what's next? Jerome, in the Avatar universe, call them poop benders. Uh, It'd just let's... be a water bender. Most of your poop is yep, water. That's pretty much it. Just make it a water bender. <laughs> Guys. All right, what's next? Cam K. No more. No, no. I'm, 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 I'm putting the brake on it. I'm putting the brake on it. We're moving on. We're moving on, Cam. All right, what's next? Oh, right from John Redcorn. Is T.I. still going to be in Ant-Man 3-2? No, I think they actually announced quite some time ago that T.I. wasn't going to be in. They're, he got himself into some trouble, and I think they made that announcement a long time ago. So we knew he wasn't. We kind of thought David would be. I absolutely thought Michael Pena would be, but it looks like maybe none of them will be. We'll find out. All right, what's next? All uh, right, from Diego. Is Steven Spielberg DC Blackhawk still happening? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think so, but they, I would love came, it if it did. Yeah, they came out and they um, they talked, they made this big deal. It wasn't a superhero property. It was, about a, you know, it was a comic book based on a bunch of fighter pilots, but we've heard nothing about it, so yeah, I, I mean, it's, I don't it's think World so. War II, so I don't, you know. They are doing, they are doing the Masters of the Air uh, series though the third part of the Pacific and uh, Band of Brothers and now Masters of the Air. So that's All right, cool. 
What's next? Crashing Coyote. I think Reeves is building an Arkham Asylum movie as the third movie where Joker and the rogues lock Batman inside Arkham um, with them like Die Hard. Uh, no, that's not what they're doing. And there is going to be an Arkham, but it's going to be series. It's yeah. going to be a Warner Brothers, uh, an HBO series that they're going to do. What it's going to be about, we're not really sure, but I'm pretty sure they're not going in that direction. By the way, just because I want to shout it out again, Carlos Luna in the live chat just asked, have you guys watched the series from? We t I talked about it the other day. If you're not watching from on Epics, and full disclosure, they paid me. Epics paid me. All right, being fully transparent about this. Epics paid me money to promote this show from on Twitter. They didn't give me a damn red, red cent for YouTube. So I don't have to say shit about the show on YouTube. This show's awesome. I've loved this show so far. I haven't gotten, I haven't gotten to the end yet, but I am, I, I want to say seven episodes in now. But this show, I'm loving it. it. It takes all the best things about Lost. I, I'm i digging a lot. If you've not checked out this show, you really should. Also, by the way, uh, Moises uh, Pliego just sent a super chat to be supportive in there. Thank you so much for that, Moises. And guys, that'll do it. Actually, we, we got through today's show rather quickly. Mm -hmm. That'll do it for today's episode of the John Campion Show. Thank you guys so much for being here and making this day, this show a part of your day. Big special thank you to all you guys who sent in the Super Chats. Number one, because you gave us great fun things to talk about. But number two, you supported this channel as you did it. And all of us involved with the John Campion Show, thank you guys so very much for your support. want to thank the people around the room here with me. We got Robert Meyer Burnett. We got Ray Aura. We got Chris Carr. My name's John Campion, guys. That'll do it for us for now. Thanks a lot for being here. And until next time, my friends. Bye-bye. No noon mic.